Hello, Contrarians listeners. This is Julio, obviously. Uh, here by myself to do a little intro to this uh, sort of bonus episode we're dropping on the feed. It is uh, Friday, May 12th, as I record this. Uh, our Jurassic Park Dominion episode is running a little late. Had some things to take care of, so you know we usually try to have about 10 days in between episodes, and this one's running a little long. So we figured let's let's put some content out there for um for those of you who are not patrons because patrons are getting stuff from us pretty constantly but uh those of you who are just like living off the main feed well here's something to keep you satisfied or at least mildly satisfied until we drop dominion uh sometime next week so reason number one for for this little bonus not so little actually uh is to put something out there so that there's not this massive gap between our long goodbye episode and Dominion. Uh, but also because the live stream for The Cure is about a week away as I record this, and Alex and I give the full breakdown of our live stream for The Cure uh, segment of what it'll be uh, in the Dominion episode. And I really kind of want to give people a little bit more notice, at least a week's notice, before the actual event. So you're going to hear Alex and I go into it also uh, during the patron pitch part of the of the Jurassic Park Dominion episode. But here, uh, let me give you the the, the shorter pitch. Uh, it's just me. Uh, so for those of you who don't know what License for the Cure is, uh, well, what have you been doing the past few years? Because this is our fifth year, I think, on it. Our friend Nick Haskins from uh, Nikolai's Kitchen, previously Epic Film Guys. I mean, he's the guy that's been running it from the very beginning and uh, he basically organizes this live stream and different podcasts come on and do a segment and raise money during the segment and all that money goes to uh goes to cancer research the cancer research institute takes it sometimes depending on what time of the year it is <laughs> they uh match the nation sometimes they triple it and uh, it's it's a really cool cause it's something that's um kind of personal uh at least for me and you know it's I think for everybody involved. And this year, we're doing what we did last year. Let's see, the first year we did a segment on Basic Instinct 2. Second year, we did Sliver. Third year, we got off the Sharon Stone train and we did The Happening, the M. I. Shyamalan movie. Fourth year, we did something that was a little more interactive, which was we we let people in the audience suggest movies and then we would do contrarian treatments for those movies. And we limited to four actors last year. Uh, we did Denzel Washington, Cameron Diaz, Kate Winslet, and Robert De Niro. And then we had tiers because, you know, the goals raise money. So if we met the first tier in donations, we did, uh, we committed to doing the bone collector on the main feed of the show. Uh, second tier, we committed to doing Labor Day. Third tier, being John Malkovich and final tier was uh, Goodfellas, you know, one movie from each of the actors that were spotlighting. So we're going to do the same thing this year, uh, different actors, obviously. And that was, that's the big reveal <laughs> that apparently we saved uh, for way too long because now it's like, it's almost time and nobody knows. Um, I mean, if you've been checking our Twitter account, I I posted a picture that showed the four actors. Uh, so we're doing Antonio Banderas, Julia Roberts, Halle Berry, and Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, like the big name. I think De Niro was our biggest name last year. 
you know, just because of the career and the, the reputation and, you know, Goodfellas and this year. I mean, Tom Cruise, the man behind Top Gun 2 and, uh, what was it called? Top Gun Maverick. And, and of course, the Mission Impossible movies. And it's Tom Cruise. So just uh, go to the live stream, you know, join us. If you can donate, that's great. If you can't, that's okay. You know, just showing up makes a big difference. Makes a big difference in uh, the numbers, the data <laughs> that that runs live stream, and also just uh, on a just on a slightly more selfish side, it it helps us because it's really cool when you're doing something and you see that the audience is there and they're having a good time and everything. So, livestreamforthecure.com that has all the links. You need to get on Twitch. If that sounds complicated, you know what? Hit me up on Twitter at Concern Prime. Send me an email, concernprime at gmail.com. I'll walk you through it. I'll help you get it all set up. But it's pretty it's pretty straightforward once you get it. Uh, the tiers, we're hoping to raise $500 this year on our segment. It would be amazing if we did it. Uh, so we split those $500 in four. So we have four tiers again. First tier, if we do $125 worth of donations, we're going to do the Antonio Banderas movie Original Sin, which is rotten, 12%, I think. Uh, if we make it to the second tier, $250, we're going to do the Julia Roberts movie that gave her an Oscar, Aaron Brockovich. I think it's in the mid-80s, high-80s on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, third tier, Halle Berry tier. Uh, this one, Alex threw me a curveball. Um, so if we do $375, is that the right math? Well, you know, the third tier. Um, we're going to do the Flintstones, uh, which I didn't know that Halle Berry was in the Flintstones, but apparently she is. And why not? The Flintstones apparently rotten in the low 20s in the Rotten Tomatoes uh, tomato meter. And then finally, if we make it to $500, and I know we can. I know we will. Uh, that That's a Tom Cruise movie. The, that unlocks Jerry Maguire for the main feed. You know you want us to do Jerry Maguire on the feed. It's like in the high 80s, I think. Uh, it'll be fun. But anyway, we're going to have fun. You're going to have fun. Everybody's going to have fun, and we're going to raise money while having fun. Uh, so enough of that. And now uh, what I guess you're here for. <laughs> if you're a patron, you've already listened to these. Uh, these are our two episodes that we did at different times uh, following the releases of Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. Why am I picking these two segments uh, to, uh, to spotlight when we're so far away from Halloween or even anything Michael Myers related? Well, uh, mainly because I think they're really good conversations. I think they're fun. If you're a fan of the franchise and what's happened with it lately, you're probably going to side with Alex. If you're not, you're going to side with me. It's always fun when we have really solid arguments. Uh, and uh, I think that that was the case in both instances. Um, I, I think it's. I think they're a good listen. And uh, it, for those of you who are not patrons, I think it also it's a, it's a good window into what our, our patron channel does. So we we covered a lot of the Halloween movies during our Haddonfield Nights arc uh, a couple of years ago. So if you look down our main feed, there's a lot, including the, the Halloween 2018, like the, the first part of this uh, David Gordon Green trilogy. And so now, if you've been wondering what it was like when we talked about Halloween kills and Halloween ends, here it is. Uh, I think it's like almost two and a half hours worth of content. So enjoy. In between the two conversations, I'm going to uh, put a, a Livestream for the Cure promo. And just kind of like to keep them separated. And uh, that's it. That's that's all I had to say. Uh, enjoy this. 
the Jurassic Park Dominion episode will be uh, arriving on your feeds sometime soon. And uh, that's it. I think uh, if you can hear my cat losing her shit outside this door, uh, I apologize. She's usually better behaved, but uh, this was not a planned recording. Anyway, enjoy. Hello, Evil dies tonight. (laughs) Damn you. Damn you to hell. Uh, Well, hi. (laughs) Hello, (laughs) patrons. Welcome to Contrarians After Hours. A very special edition of Contrarians After Hours. The After Hours you've all been waiting for anxiously at least those of you that were big fans of our how to feel nights are those those of you who are halloween fans because you've heard us talk about almost every movie in the franchise so of course we would have to talk about this one and if you've been reading the cues online uh, we are probably not in agreement alex and i when it comes to halloween kills so this might end up being another halloween h2o discussion alex i don't know i would uh, i hope not um <laughs> i don't know how we start this i okay first of all I, let's backtrack now um so for hadfield nights we did the original the rob zombie remake the 2018 um three the h2o H2O, and then Curse of Michael Myers. Those were the six we did for that. Yes. In addition to that, we did a commentary track for part five, the revenge, whatever the fuck, of Michael Myers. <laughs> and in preparation for that, it, it, we watched four. So we don't have an official four episode, but those are the eight that we watched in, you know, in poster- for posterity in terms of uh, contrarians. The contrarians. So yeah, and if you want to go even further, we did talk about the second Halloween, uh, the second Rob Zombie Halloween, way back count. when we did our. <laughs> but you know, we've acknowledged it. We've talked about it. We've yeah, you know, yeah. we've both watched it. We've both agreed that it's not good, and then we moved on. So it is part of our Halloween history. Okay, so then that would leave. Have you seen two 1981's Halloween two? Yes, I've seen two. Okay. I I watched it I don't know a couple of Halloweens ago. Uh you know, the epic film guys, they always do their like in October kind of like what you do where they just encourage everybody in their on their Facebook page to watch to try to watch as many horror movies as possible during October. And uh, and people kind of comment and log them on and I think it was 2 years ago that I I I tried to keep up with them and I watched Oh, the whole thing is that they encourage first watches. So I was like, all right, well, I'll mm-hmm. try to knock out as many first watches as I can and so I did the second Halloween. That was the first time I watched Season of the Witch as well. I think uh, the first Child's Play I watched then. But yeah, so I've seen the second one. That would mean Resurrection's the only one that you haven't seen, and that's perfectly fine. <laughs> I want to, but I'm not going to pay for it. Yeah, just to be a completionist. So I said this in the lead-in, or whenever we brought this up earlier uh, on the previous installment of After Hours, the first point I want to make, and this does not apply to you, is that 
a lot of people are Halloween experts. <laughs> to quote Ben, they know fuck all about it. Uh, <laughs> I loved the analogy he made of like, it's like someone saying, you married that woman? Why'd you marry that woman? It's like, fuck you. You don't know her. I know her. <laughs> I want to lead with a couple things, and then I will let you air your grievances. Um, number one, it's Halloween. It's like my favorite, but like it's um, it's important to keep a few things in mind. One of them, and listeners, and if you're a patron, you know this about me, you should or likely do already. I care so little for modern film. It just <laughs> like it barely does anything for me. Whenever I've gone to the movie theater over the past fucking for pretty much the entire run of this podcast, it's disgust because it's like a rarity now. <laughs> I spent nearly 10 years of my life working in a movie theater and I loved a lot of that. It did overexpose me to some things, but on a bigger, what's the word I'm looking for? Soapbox. I, my issues with the current film market are clear and evident that I feel like the MCU's done a lot to damage it that uh, going to the movie theater isn't as special as it used to be, and the things that are released on a wide scale generally do not appeal to me in many ways. So when I do go to see something in the theater, it feels like a big deal. And it usually is, be it you know a few years ago when I went and saw Dunkirk in 70mm. That was awesome. The How many times have I brought up Good Time? That, that's an example of like... Uh, that That's an example of Halloween Kills, of... I found a movie that I was excited about so much so that I was going to build time into my day or evening, what have you to go somewhere, get in my car and go spend money to sit in a movie theater and watch that. So all I could ask for that is it to be good and like good time. And like with Halloween kills when it exceeds that so much, so that's going to stick out and be important and special to me. You tack on the fact that Halloween Kills was my first time going back to the movie theater after COVID. I mean, COVID's still out there, but you know what I mean? Of Since the pandemic began, so, you know, two years, that's a big deal for me, too. So it was important to me to rewatch it to make sure that it wasn't just all of that mm -hmm. positive emotion that I was swept up in. Because when I left the theater after watching it, I was thinking to myself, like, well, first of all, you were the first person I texted, and what did I tell you? This is going to be extremely polarizing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I said I said I loved it, but this movie is going to be, I think I said possibly the most divisive in the whole franchise. Um, but I remember thinking to myself, this is what I wanted to feel after uh, Rise of Skywalker, like, and I remember being so ready for that movie to be not necessarily what I wanted it to be, but just to fill me with the good. emotions that I want. Good good is too much to ask when it comes to Rise of Skywalker, apparently. <laughs> but I remember how deflated I was leaving that movie theater, and the exact opposite is what came with this. So those are some of my, like, you know, uh, disclaimers going into this. And Halloween's my favorite movie ever, the original one, that is. So there's always a lot riding on these things, but all of that swirling of emotion and it for it to pay off in a positive way definitely uh, painted my experience with it. Now, before we like go into, you know, deeper feelings on it, now that that's out of the way, I'm trying to remember what I ate also because it was delicious. <laughs> that, that was part of it. <laughs> did they uh, did the draft house have uh, 
like a special Halloween menu items? Nah, nothing like that. But uh, the projectionist there had a really awesome shirt. I wish they had been selling. I was kind of thinking they were going to have merch because they had um, Mondo Stein glasses for the 2018 one. So I was hoping mm-hmm. to get something, but not to be. It was kind of quiet. Uh, I think our theater was as full as it could be because, you know, they leave empty mm-hmm. chairs in between parties and stuff. So they showed the trailer for Eternals, and I audibly groaned when the Marvel logo hit the screen. And <laughs> You son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Did you get to see... Uh- Camille and Jenny, like all yeah. ripped. All jacked, yeah. yeah. Uh, we went, Reed was there, and my sister and our friend Kelly, uh, former contributor Kelly. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Kelly was in the middle, and she said Reed and I both just went, ugh, when the Marvel thing <laughs> hit the screen. Uh, and then the trailer for the new Scream, which uh, jury's still out on that. Oh, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the one for Eternals either. So The... It, it looks like they're like trying to make a serious scream and it's like that's not what scream is but hey man nev campbell's getting a paycheck and former world heavyweight champion david arquette so god bless him and kyle gallner of contrarians fame from uh the nightmare on elm street remake is getting a paycheck too so there you go oh so this is uh you know he was also in a in a much more serious uh remake uh, so maybe well, scream five is far there. too much so <laughs> yes if it's like a serious one that deals with like pedophilia Pedophilia. we can just call it the gallner effect (laughs) all right so julio i assume you watch this on peacock which is where i I fired it up uh, the other night too yeah i guess just hit me with it 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 sounds like i don't know (laughs) if you hate it i have heard some people just say they hated it uh people whose opinions i care about I think you're the only one I haven't heard so far. As mentioned on their review on Film Busters, Ben DM'd me. I DM'd him after seeing it, and I was just like, dude. And then he messaged me after he watched it, and we were both in agreement (laughs) about it. And uh, Ian from 616 Entertainment, his tweets about it were weird. I was like, man, I like listening to this guy talk about it. He'd not like this movie. But then he did a podcast about it, and he... He was he really liked it, but he he did point out some of the negatives that that I'll bring up in a minute. Uh, I, I keep saying I'm going to throw it over to you, Julio, and it's been ten minutes of me oh, just no, no, talking no, no, no. about this my experience. Is... So I'm cracking open one to sit back and listen to what you have to say about this. <laughs> well, I, I I said like I don't know how we start this because I really didn't know what I, I still don't know what the best way is. If it's like you know you telling me why you love it and then I go like, all right, well, this is why I don't. Or if it's just me telling you why I don't love it, and then you go like, well, you're wrong. And, you know, either way, I guess it's the end result is the same. I guess the main difference is that, you know, how long do we want to keep this conversation positive before we start? Because I kind of feel like once we start delving into the things that don't work for me, like there's no going back. And there's no there's no going back. The, uh, the levity is gone. That's putting it. Much. I'll, I'll say this, Alex. Before we even like go any further, the conversation that's going to like ensue here, it's your fault because oh yeah, because you made me watch all the Halloween movies and you made me care. If I just like watch Halloween Kills like on a lark without having any like history, without Haddonfield Nights, without the commentary, or whatever, I wouldn't care. I would have just watched this, you know, kind of like in a vacuum. I would have watched it like we watched the Doctor Who movie. <laughs> it's like, oh. 
<laughs> that was a fun 90 minutes. Some people got killed. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know who the fuck Tommy Doyle is, but he had a bat. And so, you know, but, but Tommy no. Doyle's going to fuck somebody up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but instead, you know, I don't hate this movie. I hate the way this movie made me feel, <laughs> which is very different. I hate that I got frustrated and worked up about a movie that I wouldn't have before. So it is as if like somehow I had succeeded in making you care about the MCU enough that you would watch an MCU movie and then be annoyed because it didn't live up to your standards, but more importantly be annoyed that that there were that those standards existed to begin with. You know what I mean? Like a year ago I would have watched Halloween Kills and I was like, I don't know, three stars. <laughs> you know, it was it was a Halloween movie. It was a horror movie. But now I'm like, I start thinking about continuity and like, you know, how many callbacks are too many callbacks and all that stuff. You know, just I'm not a Halloween franchise fan to begin with, but I'm definitely not uh, kind of like a a bystander anymore. And so I'm in that position where I actually I can't help but have an opinion about this movie, <laughs> and that's probably why. It's, you know, it, it comes out on the negative side. But I, I did make a list of the things I liked, which I think that maybe that's where we can we can start. Um, I think we either start with things that I liked, which are probably things that you liked as well, or we start by you telling me a little bit more if there's anything else to tell about your movie theater experience. Oh, no, that's just kind of the extent of it. But like I said, it's because of my complicated emotions with modern film mixed with my intense love of the subject matter it was definitely an interesting recipe that paid off in like a way that you can only really hope for i remember reed afterward was like afterwards was like "Eh, i'm not sure he's like that was but when i saw him last time he said it's been ruminating with him and he's come around and really enjoys it um do you have a good crowd i'm assuming you had a good crowd yeah yeah I mean, it wasn't like the 2018 one that really gave you any moments to, like, cheer or... Upon multiple rewatches, that 2018 one has dropped down my rankings. Even, like, I was looking at my rankings now, and I might even put Rob Zombies over that one because there's, like, (laughs) too much much shoehorned comedy in that and some cute cutesy moments in it that are that were really fun the first time I watched it but upon rewatching I'm like mm, I really like the ending a lot but with this it was just kind of like chaos and terror and um I'm going to guess you didn't like that a lot of the dialogue was written like a play I'm going to assume that's something you didn't really care for uh that's not one of my problems with it I mean I have problems with dialogue but not that you know I don't know that everybody was eloquent <laughs> This is the that. I will say this is like the only Halloween movie I've ever watched that I thought this could be a play. It really felt like a play <laughs> in a lot of ways, and that's I not mean, a bad thing. Uh, yeah, they, they several people get monologues that go on for a while, which is fine. I don't I don't have a problem with that necessarily. Although I I know that some people do. Like fuck it. Okay, so let's get into the the things I liked. I have a list of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven bullet points, and they're all kind of like the same thing. Is it just Judy Greer written seven times? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Different fonts. No. um, This was just off the top of my head while I was at work. uh, So, first thing. First thing is uh, Lonnie is a surprising reference. I didn't know who Lonnie was. Sadly, no one said, Lonnie, get your ass away from there. 
But not to jump too far ahead, but that's, I mean, if it had happened, I would have been like, oh, of course they did that. Because True. this movie loves its callbacks. But no, I really, I was not expecting Lonnie to show up. I was not expecting to recognize the character when it, she showed up. And I was definitely not expecting to be excited that I recognized Lonnie and that, <laughs> you know, he was going to be a big part of the of the story. So that was really cool. Um, like instantly when he showed up, I'm like, oh, that's right. Because you had pointed out to me that in the 2018, they mentioned that he's the dad of the guy that uh, Allison is dating. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, that's like, I, that was awesome. I, I like that. Tommy Doyle as a damaged adult. Loved it. I mean, it, it, that's just a perfectly valid direction to take the character. Because I've seen people that didn't like that. Um, yeah, he's not Paul Rudd, but he's still like a dude that has serious issues. And I I have zero problems. I actually really like that that this was, that there was so much Tommy Doyle. And I think that actually there wasn't enough Tommy Doyle in this movie. Um, and then my third one is just says, the other returning cast members. Because, yeah, really, I, that was that was the, the main thing I think that I enjoyed was <laughs> that the nurse from the first one and from H2O comes back. And then Lindsay is there also. Again, I was kind of surprised that she that I remembered before they, they, they even told me who she was. That little group of sort of Michael Myers survivors I really enjoyed and I really liked and uh, was one of my favorite aspects of the movie. Of course, a cameo from Loomis that I was not expecting. I geeked out hard when he showed up. And at first I thought it was uh, footage from you know previous movies that was being repurposed. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I realized that, no, this is there's too much. It's fitting too well into the narrative for it to be old footage. So I'm like, so did they... Did they CGI him? Like, I thought maybe they were doing, like, what they did with Peter Cushing or with uh, Carrie Fisher, you know, in the most recent Star Wars movies. Star Wars movies. And then, you know, way after the fact, I, I, I learned that it's an actual actor. Not even an actor. I guess he's, like, a set designer or something, and they just put the makeup on yeah, it was, like, a him. carpenter on the set. And, yeah, yeah, like, and somebody hours else of makeup. It was yeah. freakishly good. Yeah, and but it, in, I loved it because I was missing Loomis as a character mm-hmm. in the 2018. I... Of course, I said it in our episode. I think that you know, I understand. Obviously, <laughs> Donald Pleasance is not with us anymore, so you can't just. I, I was glad that they didn't recast him, but it was a shame that in a movie that was so connected to the first Halloween, they couldn't really have one of the main characters and somebody that became such a big part of the franchise. Also, so so when he showed up and he proved to be, uh, I mean, it was it was basically a glorified cameo, but. It, I like that there was there was something to it, and then and that they didn't like stretch it out. You know, it was just the right amount of Loomis. So I like that. Also, really loved that they benched Lori. <laughs> that Lori was not really. I've seen this as as an issue for some people. I was, I mentioned in the last after hours that I was at, uh, at this sort of round table that Gerald from Two Piece organized, and uh, yeah. you know about the movie and. Uh, Brad from Cinema Guys, that was one of his problems with the movie was that it wasn't a story that focused on the Strodes, really. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. I, I, I think Not that's... one Michael Laurie confrontation. Yeah, fine. I Honestly, I would have preferred it if she had just been in the hospital, like in a coma the entire time. Like I said, I really enjoyed the other characters and I thought that it was pretty... Um, it's a bold move to say, no, Laurie's just going to be in her hospital room as she would be. <laughs> 
after the events of the first, of the last Halloween. You know, after Halloween two, uh, two thousand eighteen, you don't go out and have more adventures. You need to take some rest. You need to get some rest and recover and deal with the trauma. Next, up to a point, I like Tommy rousing the community into a frenzy. I, as an idea, I like that. I, it seems like kind of a natural escalation. Uh, I'm gonna leave it there because that then it gets complicated. But I like that <laughs> as a as a germ of an idea. And uh, and finally, I like something that you brought to my attention when we did Haddonfield Nights, and it was pushed to the forefront in this movie, and that is the acknowledgement that Michael isn't going after Laurie. Mm-hmm. Michael is going home, which I, I don't think we knew that in the last one. But as you pointed out, and then people actually <laughs> literally pointed out in this movie, he was driven to Lori's house. It's not that he went there. Yeah, Sheriff volition. Brackett's just like, no, he's not coming for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's not Brackett. It's uh, Hawkins. Hawkins, excuse me. Yeah. Brackett is Charles Cipher, like... <laughs> Reed was like, holy shit, that guy's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so that's what I, you know, things that I unabashedly like about uh, Halloween Kills. Maybe even come close help, to love. <laughs> I can't help but notice that bi- the big John and little John characters aren't on the list of things you enjoyed. Uh, I mean, spoiler alert, they're also not in the list of things that I don't enjoy they okay i don't mention them at all in this I little document that. i have so out of the things that i liked do you disagree with any of that or do you also enjoy all that stuff that i listed no yeah, i'm i'm fine with all that <laughs> you'll accept it yeah. you'll allow it <laughs> i didn't like the loomis thing at first because i thought it was cg and i was like that's blasphemy but then i realized the effort they went into it and the guy had pretty good uh Donald Pleasant's cadence. Like, at first when he pulls up, he's like, that evil's hair. You just hear that. I was like, yeah, they recycled some Donald Pleasant's MP3. And then he comes in and he does ask. He's like, did Michael kill again? It's like, what the fuck did you think he was going to do? You know, just come home and play tiddlywinks or something? I Here's a big question for you as somebody who mm-hmm. obviously liked the movie. And it could be that you know you don't have an answer to this or, or that you don't care about the answer, but, but it's something that as I was wrestling with like the, the reasons why I don't like this movie, it, it, this kept coming up. And it's like, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't see it, uh, uh, I don't see clearly like what this movie is trying to say in a way that I felt was very clear in the 2018 version. I, I felt that the 2018 version, for whatever problems I had with it, it was it had a very clear vision of what it was trying to, uh, to say and do as far as uh, trauma, you know, and Lori's, how, how Lori dealt with trauma and passed it on to uh, her daughter and her granddaughter and... That was on an angle, and then on the other side, also just in a way, it serves as a narrative that gave power back to the victim because you know that, that third act is just three women kicking Michael Myers's ass and then you know driving away while he burns. So I was like, that's pretty, you know, I could see it clearly, like the narrative and going and you know that final statement. Uh, 
I don't feel that with this movie. Like I, I, I feel pre-modeled, and I don't know if you came away from Halloween Kills with a very clear idea of like, oh, this movie is exactly about this. What do you think? Um, before I forget, a question I had because this is something we've called out about movies before. Did you appreciate how it like picked up the second the last one left off, even like before in some cases? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I which you know since you asked me about Halloween two, that's something, and I might have mentioned it at some point. Uh, in Haddonfield Nights, that's something that I like about Halloween 2, because Halloween 2 is also it does the same thing, kind of, right? Because you just go mm-hmm. directly to the hospital in the aftermath of Halloween 1's climax. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember thinking, I mean, I remember mostly because of uh, I wrote it on my letterbox review that I, I felt that that movie was really cool at the beginning because it showed you the things, you know, that you don't usually see, and then it becomes a slasher once it just goes into the hospital and gets, you know, it's about Michael Myers killing a bunch of people in the hospital. But yeah, and, and so I liked it here too. I I, I mean, it, it, I almost feel like it, it had to because of the way that the last one ended and the the tone of the movie. I don't know. It, if it had picked up, I don't know, five years later, it would have been a little weird. I was glad that it just really decided to keep going uh, from where we left it. So as it pertains to saying something, I didn't really walk away from it thinking this movie was trying to reinvent the wheel or had something big to say because it took it back to what originally made Michael scary and that he's just killing and you don't really know why and you don't really know what he is it's just the tale of someone who went mad like the original Halloween what is that movie trying to say um it's just like here's the situation and it's really scary because we don't know much about it I appreciate that there was less said in this almost in an effort in my opinion to strip away any preconceived notions you had about michael with any thoughts of him stalking Lori or um you know this being him taking revenge on the people of haddonfield he's just a crazy fucker and sometimes there's no ways to really explain that and in the end the whole idea of him potentially being more than a man like supernatural that adds a new wrinkle into it i think some people uh, were confused as to what the side plot with the mob was supposed to mean and like the bullying kind of and the causing the other escape mental patients death uh, because they were hunting him out. I kind of want to believe that would have been in the script regardless of what year it came out in. Obviously <laughs> in the current climate we're in right now that's there's some things that are a bit sensitive to that and you know the jokes that the Haddonfield MAGA tribe yep. know, hunted him down and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, I mean it's not to say in a situation exactly like that that's not a possibility of something that could happen in with the anger and just mob mentality that a lot of people have uh and it just gets away from him it goes to show like the whole idea of it that you can't control an angry mob i guess from that perspective of things they were trying to say i didn't think it was trying to say like the you know who's the real monster but some of that dialogue towards the end was just kind of like all right you're getting onto a line right here with me let's just pull it back a little bit (laughs) about you know this is i think the line is michael's masterpiece but at the same time, I could say that, but then it just shows to me how much they're overthinking it all. How Michael isn't, you are all doing this to yourselves. This crazy man just wants to be left alone and, you know, paint in his home or some shit. Every time I've come up with something I don't like about it, I've been able to pretty quickly refute it with something of logic in the film. Of like, 
someone said like the best part of Jamie Lee Curtis in this is she just is chilling, collecting a payday, and it works in the confines of the movie because she's injured and just she's literally like, well, I'm just gonna stay here until Michael comes here. So. <laughs> long way about it i don't really think this movie's trying to say much i think it's just trying to be a scary movie and did a lot of work to go back to the roots of being scary which i thought 2018 had some decent horror aspects to it with this it was it was better it was just like um in no way shape or form is the 2018 halloween on par with the matrix but like i was watching this and i was like man this is kind of like what i wanted with the matrix reloaded like something good and really building upon what they tried to set up in the first portion instead of just like, you know, jacking off the whole time. And I did appreciate a lot of payoffs in it. It's really a quick shot and it's really heartbreaking too. But the, the part where like the mobs marching through the hospital and the woman finds her son dead on the gurney in mm. the morgue. Like I Not thought that Josh was Gad. awesome. Not Josh Gad. Yeah. So I, I know I'm getting off track from your question here. We're trying to approach this bit by bit, but I thought this was just trying to reinstill the horror aspect into it and not so much concerning itself with any real message. I think not to say any message you interpret from it is inconsequential or meaningless. I think uh, you could have some probably interesting discussions with Kenny Powers and David Gordon Green about it. But <laughs> from my vantage point, it was trying to be scary more than it was trying to say anything. I agree. They're definitely trying to, to be scary. And I, I've, you know the the kills i you know take them or leave them i that's not like my thing but i've heard people praise the just uh the slasher horror aspect of it and i i don't disagree i think that it's actually really well done where i disagree and just like insert uh adam sandler gif and uncut gems uh i i experienced the movie in, in that aspect, very different from you, very differently from you, in that I thought that I felt the opposite. I don't think that it's not that it's not trying to say anything. I, I actually felt like it was trying to do too much. And yes, this is all subjective because I haven't talked to uh, Kenny Powers or David Gordon Green. But I once we got into the second half, I couldn't tell because you're right, there is that moment. Poor Sheriff Brackett is just saddled with the, I think it's the worst line in the movie because of the, the specific movie that it is, that it's shaping up to be. Like this movie, th this would have been fine. This line would have been fine in a different movie, I think. But when he, uh, he's kneeling over the corpse of the guy that just jumped off the, out of the window and he goes, I think he says, we, like, we did this. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, he's turning us into monsters. That's right. Like, yeah. Yeah. One of the moments where I groaned while watching this movie. Because, I mean, that's fine. If that's the story that we're telling... Okay, so that's the story we're telling. <laughs> Halloween Kills is going to be about how the people of Haddonfield turn out to be no better than Michael Myers in the end. You know, they are the monsters, as much as he is the monster as well. He's turned them into monsters. Okay, a little on the nose with that dialogue bracket. But okay, so that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. You know, an innocent got killed because of this. Except that then I feel like that... It, the power from that statement is taken away. It's greatly reduced when then the people of Haddonfield end up being the victims anyway. You know what I mean? Uh, and this is not like my only problem with the movie, but I kind of like tried to take it like piece by piece here in this conversation. But uh, they get an innocent man killed, but then they also get the upper hand on Michael, even if it's temporarily. And that kind of, it just felt weird. You know, it, it felt like, 
yeah, we uh, we look down on them for being idiots and, you know, causing this riot at the hospital and getting a man killed. But then we give them their badass moment where they're triumphant, uh, at least for a little bit. And when they die, you don't feel like they're dying because they're stupid or because they had it coming. You just feel like they're dying because Michael is, you know, unbeatable. It I, There was something there that just didn't track, you know, and I, I was kind of feeling like the movie would have worked better for me if he had if it stayed on one track because it's not just that it's also the fact that the movie is also a little bit about laurie and that realization that she is not you know she's in the hospital waiting for michael and he never comes (laughs) and then hawkins has to explain things to her and when he does i'm like man this could have been like the movie if the movie you know 2018 is about laurie strode dealing with the trauma and then thinking that she's gotten the upper hand on it uh, because she beats this monster. And then Halloween Kills is about Laurie Strode. Oh, no, realizing that she got it wrong the entire time. <laughs> she's not special and so on. And that's also an interesting movie. But it's not interesting when you're pairing it with the other stuff, at least not for me. It just felt like nothing was getting enough time. Nothing was getting being delved into the way I wanted it to, uh, which I imagine would make a lot of people, maybe even you, Alex, go like, well, you're expecting too much from Halloween Kills because this movie is a horror movie and this movie is supposed to be about the fun kills and all that stuff. But my problem is that the movie is pitched as a much smarter movie than there ends up being. Like, you know, I I expect this sort of uh, insight from the movie because the movie has trained me to expect it you know it's like it's it's really smart at times i think that the things that it does when it does well especially in the first half of the movie when it's exploring uh what uh tommy and lonnie and uh the nurse (laughs) uh what is exploring their trauma it's like it's very like serious and it's taking it seriously you know and then as it goes along, the second half, it starts, it stops doing that. It, it just becomes like a standard slasher. And I don't know if you remember, but that was one of my problems with 2018 that I felt that once they got into the Strode house, it was just kind of like your standard slasher. And, you know, people that were smart are going to act dumb now for the sake of the kills. Um, so I felt that th- that that happened in this movie even earlier and it was even more pronounced. Like, do you have a problem with... Uh, well, amazing you don't, but do you, do you at least see how that happens in the movie? That, that the movie and the characters are like really smart and kind of like serious. And then at some point in the movie, it just becomes more of a slasher. A really well shot and really well acted slasher, but still just kind of like a slasher movie. Well, to steal some of Ben's logic, which I agree with 100%, that is taking in slasher mythology that doesn't exist in this movie. Like, uh, that's taking into effect you know the halloween five six level of oh better not go in here michael myers is in here this is you know a guy who killed whatever the the total that they so the canon is the first one so you know he killed five people or whatever 40 Mm. years ago and they don't know how many people he killed on this night so everyone still just thinks like he's a man and everyone thinks they're just going to be able to they got a gun so they'll be able to kill him you know trump's america type thing and so, uh, yeah, I don't have much of a problem with that because I believe the naivety and the hubris of the modern white man like Lonnie. It's like, oh, I can just go in this house where this guy's at and I'll be, I'll be fine. You know, that's I, I believe that in the context that it's presented in, in this movie. It's not, you know, Jason lives. It's not like, oh, 
Jason's in this camp. I'm going to go off on my own and, you know, figure out what's going on. It's not that type of thing. Um, to your question earlier, I think what uh, my interpretation of it was that, like, you know, they, he's turning us into monsters and then he just ends up killing them all in the end anyway. I think it just shows what I'm talking about, the, the hubris and, like, the desire for, you know, these people to make themselves the focus of this story when it's really not them. And, uh, you know, you can just see how much Tommy Doyle is getting off on grabbing that baseball bat and wanting to, you know, beat this guy's brain in and, you know, how much he's relishing having the crowd gather around him and everything. And just the way he talks and the way they, the townspeople talk and stuff, they, they just think they're so much more important than they actually are. Uh, and so when it comes to that and they're like, oh, this is what he's wanting us to do. It's just they're making themselves part of the narrative when they're really not. It's just this crazy guy and you're getting in his way and fucking stop it. And um, they try to in the end and they're dramatically unsuccessful. So that speaks to that. And then, yeah, I I understand that some of the it's. It's only nature, human nature, or you know, an educated response that you have that this falls into more of the slasher trope. I, I definitely lean into that with what you're talking about in 2018 because it definitely does. It feels like that way more than this to me. It feels like these people are just dumb and arrogant and think they're going to be able to do whatever they want. Uh, whereas in 2018, when they get to the house, it does become just kind of this. With a little bit of a twist, the the slasher hunting and whatnot. Um, thoughts on you know we already brought talked about Loomis, but uh, the the flashback sequence that adds to the story of the the original night. Did you have any issues or anything with that one way or the other? Uh, no, I liked it. I liked. Uh, did you recognize uh, Young Hawkins? Yeah, Thomas Mann it really stuck out to me because you know I just did the QVR for Land yep. of Steady Habits, and so <laughs> yeah. And he was uh, he was the lead in Project X, if I remember correctly. Ooh, <laughs> very different movie. <laughs> no, I, I remember I, that's probably why it sticks out because he was the first time I saw him in anything was that. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else I've seen him in, but yeah. Anyway, I, I thought he was really good. And the mask was fucking awesome, and I did really appreciate how they made an effort to make it look different. Like I, I don't know if they put just like a f- fucking Instagram filter over that footage or whatnot, but. It, <laughs> Did you? I I could be misremembering the first Halloween, and even like what what is said on on this one. In in my mind, Hawkins had said that he he had had the opportunity to kill Michael Myers and he didn't, and that's what kind of like weighed on him, mm-hmm. you know, in his later years. And uh, like I said, maybe I was misremembering because then when it finally reveals when the movie reveals what really happened. I'm like, okay, that's not really what happened. What happened is that he stopped Loomis from killing him. Was it yeah. Loomis or was it a cop that was going to kill him? It was well, Loomis. Yeah. <laughs> which so- is also hilarious. The cops are just going to watch Loomis execute this guy in the middle of the street. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I was like, okay, so are they just kind of like massaging the history a little bit? So Because that's not really what happened. That was weird. But then also, <laughs> I thought it was funny. And I mentioned this, I think, when I was in that discussion with Gerald, that uh, I think that an even bigger secret that he has like what really should be bothering this guy is the fact that he shot killed his his partner partner. (laughs) yes (laughs) and i don't know it's not clear if he also told lori that did you do you think that he he told her or because you know we see it as a flashback and it's kind of like cutting back and forth i think when they're talking so it's like 
it's unclear how much he's sharing with her, at least to me. Yeah. But uh, were you okay with uh, Hawkins still being alive after looking like he was very much dead in the last one? I was grateful because, as we know, the thing I disliked most about the 2018 one was yep. that dumbass side plot with that doctor. <laughs> so uh, I was very glad that he was brought back because uh, – what's his name? Will Patton. I, I yes. do like him. And yeah, so, he's great. Um, as far as references go, the only one that I was kind of like, eh, was when they were in the hospital room together and they, they're like talking about being at a bar when they were younger. And he's like, I knew you were always sweat on sweet on Ben Tramer. I was like, eh, okay. Cause that, that, <laughs> that was like the moment in the movie, you know, where someone, I don't know if you saw a tweet I reposted the other day. It was perfect. It was, he said, um, every movie now is the shot in one of those really shitty Texas chainsaw prequels where Leatherface sees the chainsaw for the first time and you nudge your friend and go, Hey, that's the chainsaw. And, <laughs> and that's what this felt like. It was like, you know, you would be next to your buddy. Oh, Ben Tramer. Remember that? And they'd say his name in the original. That, that was the only one I kind of was like, all right, let's move it along. Uh, uh, oh man. So you're telling me that you actually like the gotcha in this one. Um, I still am not entirely sure that ending is not a dream sequence of some sort. So I'm reserving judgment for it until 2023 when I see how it pays off. <laughs> when you see that Judy Greer is not in the in the credits. Yeah, I mean, God, I don't. She's like one of my favorite parts about this. And she was really good in this. Uh, You're talking about no, when she like. No. <laughs> <laughs> I found our next point of contention. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on! You're, you're referencing though when she like lured him down the street and yeah, I I, I yeah. mean okay, independently of everything else, I just felt like <laughs> by that by then you know we were through the looking glass as far as references because I think is that to be fair or after uh, bracket repeats his line from the first movie. Yeah, I was about to say you're telling me that's the eye roller of that and not that. I it was it just goes a, back like, constant. <laughs> It goes back to my feeling on the dialogue in this. This movie felt kind of Shakespearean uh, as far as like the screenplay with the the way the words were structured. Obviously, the story is kind of Shakespearean, but it felt as much as you could in an attempt to make like a more artistic approach to a movie like this. Because the dialogue, yeah, there are scenes of like, motherfuck, fuck, fuck, fuck. Uh, but some of the exchanges and the one-liners started bothering me until the end where I realized that was like part of this universe they're creating like Marianne with like, this is for Dr. Loomis. I was like, what? When she said that, but then like at the end when Charles Cypher said his line and she said, gotcha. And there's a couple other one liners throughout the movie that, you know, the whole evil dies tonight thing. When they first said that, I was like, okay, that's kind of hokey. But then I realized that was kind of what they were going for. So no, for the way I interpreted it and the way I kind of absorbed the dialogue when she said gotcha at the end, that didn't bother me. What bothered yeah, I, me is the idea that she potentially got killed. Uh, yeah, whether she's dead or alive, I don't like the idea that now that she has a catchphrase. <laughs> that, that now she's like, now she's the gotcha girl. That's, you know, it was because it's Her one of the best moments. cameo price, it went up now. So yeah. you have to pay more to get a gotcha out of it. Oh my God, I would. Like, can you just oh, yeah. put it on my voicemail? Gotcha. <laughs> um, it's one of the best movie, moments in the movie. I think it's my, my in, in the previous one. This is might be my favorite part of the 2018 Halloween. And here, it's just it's such a lazy callback. That's how I took it. The same way that I mean, by then, obviously, 
by the time we get to this part, the movie had already lost me. I was just, I was done. I had no patience for anything. So I, I will concede that I was being harsher than I probably needed to be. But yeah, the brackets callback and then the gotcha and uh, yeah, that that just didn't work. I, I, I can see what you're saying that maybe <laughs> this is just, this is the way it is in the David Gordon Green uh Halloween verse where people just have have their lines. It's like you know they have uh, I guess one liners you know and, and catchphrases and whatever. But I don't like it as a development. If that's the case, um, as far as Judy Greer goes, and uh, we kind of like, I think we're gonna weave in and out of what I perceive as logical problems. The movie and you know and you don't. But that that was one of the big ones. I I didn't buy a single thing she did in this movie uh, based on what happened in the previous movie. I didn't believe that she left her mother, who was bleeding out, (laughs) so that she could go and try to rescue this mental patient that's being hunted by the mob. Like, I understand that she's a good person, and I understand that she's one of the few people that knows that that guy's not Michael Myers. But based on what I understood the character to be like from the previous movie like i was there was nothing like there was there were no breadcrumbs that i could see that would make me go like oh of course she would do that because she's always doing that because she's always you know trying to save the the weak trying to protect the weak and and writing justices or whatever you know she was just like a normal mom that had been a long night man her husband's dead exactly she was gonna go speak to how people are gonna respond to trauma (laughs) Well, yeah, but there are ways that are a little more believable. The thing is, it's not so much of a whether I can believe it or not, but whether the movie made me believe it. And I, like I said, there's nothing in in this. I remember when I brought it up, Brad said it like, "Oh, well, maybe it would have been better if the movie had focused more on the Strodes, because you would have been able to see how she walks down that path that makes her go there and whatever." But in this case, we don't really see her. She has one moment where she's with her daughter, kind of remembering the whiz. And then I think the next thing she does is just, you know, be out and about trying to save this guy. And she is kind of like going a little further down. Then she goes out with Tommy or whatever. She is the one person, I guess, other than Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, what's her name again? Is it Allison, the granddaughter? Yeah. Uh, Andy Matichuk. Yeah. Matichuk. So those three, they went, they, they've experienced Halloween 2018. They are the three people that should be like their minds should be blown that Michael Myers is still walking around. Like I get it. I get, you know, Halloween's two through (laughs) resurrection (laughs) didn't happen. This is just about a man that a long time ago killed a few people and then he escaped and he might have killed a few more people and the community doesn't really know. So they don't, they have, no reason to really assume that there's something weird, that he's dangerous or even that he's supernatural. But Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, and uh, Allison, uh, they basically, they shot him. <laughs> they set fire on him. They beat him up. They, they should at least be kind of like a little puzzled that he's still walking around, uh, you know, let alone killing people. But they're not. Like, it takes the entire movie for Jamie Lee Curtis to go like, well... Maybe we can't kill him. <laughs> Maybe he's unkillable, you know, or something to that effect. Judy Greer and uh, her daughter, like, they're out there still trying to kill him. And they don't even, 
acknowledge that they already did that in the last movie. Well, actually, Judy Greer says it in the in the hospital. She tells uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, "Hey, we tried and we lost." Which was like I thought that that was gonna lead to like a discussion where they were talking about like how yeah what happened? I thought we had him. Why? Is, how is he still killing? But nobody ever talks about it as as like a normal person would. Like if you or me faced off against the serial killer and we beat him up and shot him and set him on fire and then a couple hours later we hear that he's still out there killing people like wouldn't you react like i I would go like there's no way that's that's not him because we killed him or i guess if i was in the right mood i'll be like okay well then he is supernatural in some sort but the movie never goes there uh, until the very very end and I think that that is, uh, like, I understand why it doesn't go there. It feels at least like it doesn't want to go there until the next movie. And so it kind of has to kill time during this middle chapter with people that would conceivably still believe that Michael Myers is just a human that's killing people. But that's why I think it would have been better if they just benched the strokes completely. Just take them out of the story so you don't even have to make me wonder about those things. Because uh, I can understand that Tommy Doyle still thinks that's a man. And I also, the way that they pitched Tommy Doyle, I can understand that he is full of himself enough that he thinks that he can go and kill him with a bat. Everybody else, especially, you know, they're fucking riding with Allison in the back seat. Uh, you know, uh, Lonnie and his son. And you're telling me that she didn't go and, and, and talk to them and be like, hey, let me list the all the things that we did to this guy a few hours ago. <laughs> Maybe it's not a good idea for you to go in there, even if you have a gun. You know, that kind of stuff just bothers me. Am I overthinking Halloween Kills? Maybe. But again, I just say the movie is leading me to overthink it because they are setting up something and not really following through. It's kind of like they want to have their cake and eat it. Right, they they want Michael. They want a realistic take on Michael Myers, but they also want Michael Myers to be unstoppable, because if it was realistic enough, then he shouldn't be walking around in Halloween Kills. He should be in the hospital with uh, with Laurie. He's clearly fucked up. Like his hand, like he's just his hands gone. His face is burned. Like he's in a bad shape, man. But he but still it, takes out like how many firemen. <laughs> that, that's so hilarious he, when he comes onto the deck and he's got was like a pickaxe or something and he does that thing like you know in video games or movies you see guys with ball bats like you know they slap the palm of their hand with it and like all right time to do business like he <laughs> does that with the pickaxe pickaxe and takes all those guys out and then he goes to that house and brutally kills that um old couple mm-hmm. with uh the woman from eastbound who was um the maid at Ashley Schaefer's house in that show. Like when I saw her, she's apparently in the 2018 one, I guess in kind of a blink and you'll miss it role. But when I saw her, I like, like, ah, it's her. And she got <laughs> bad with that light tube in the throat. I don't yep. know if you saw my tweet. I had to, was it Paul? Might've been Adam. Wasn't Ben. One of the film busters were saying that that's unrealistic as light tubes explode. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not true. If you hold it, It'll usually hold strong. Like if I'm holding a light tube and I swing it and break it over something, it'll break at the point of contact. If you drop it or throw it, then it explodes. If you would just watch a few death matches, this <laughs> shit is very easy to learn. But Thank um, you for coming to my TED Talk. Yes. <laughs> that Like when that scene happened and then – so the whole – the killing of all the firemen and then when – 
he kills that couple and it's that long panning shot of her dying on the ground. And then you see him like stabbing that guy with all those different knives in the back. Like that set the tone for the movie for me completely. I was like, all right, this is completely different because, you know, in the original one, Halloween, the original Halloween, Michael, uh, makes like a nativity scene with these dead bodies. So Mm -hmm. it's not unusual for him like decorate or, you know, uh, take note of or admire his work at the same time. You've never seen him just completely like desecrating a body like that in the universe. We know, I mean, Rob zombie, if he had had his way, one of the things he wanted to do was have Michael as a child, sodomize his sister with a baseball bat. So oh, yeah, you know, I remember he told me, yeah, if he had his way, that'd be different. But for me, like watching this, I was like, all right, this is way more brutal. It's teetering on the line of like insanity. So it hit a certain point where, like I said, I watched this like it was a play. Like I could see these actors on stage. And I'm not saying that that necessarily eradicates your thoughts or your uh, foibles or, you know, the things you want to punch holes in as far as the plot goes. But I just was watching this. It was like I can totally see these characters like just saying, hey, like I, I was I felt like in a theater watching a stage and just he's on the loose. We got to go get him. And then, you know, the guy who's playing Michael just kind of <laughs> marches across the stage and because it no, felt he runs like into the audience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It just felt the whole movie, as soon as everyone became aware that he was still alive, it was just panic, mob mentality, like Who concert, Woodstock 99 type shit of just like complete panic so our brains are immediately shut off and we just go to our lower base level as, uh, you know, cavemen. And it's just me pick up stick, me violent, me have gun, that type of thing. Whereas Michael, who's not... I, I I can't imagine he's a classically intelligent human being. I don't know how many discussions on theory or you know the noble lie you could have with him, but because these people get so swept up, like I was saying earlier, in their moxie and their fucking I keep using the word hubris, but just their arrogance, their ignorance, he's able to I guess outsmart them just by existing. Uh, <laughs> Okay, but but that's not, and I know you're saying that you don't think that this was uh, reality. I guess. Well, where do you think if if this movie ends with a dream sequence? Where do you think that dream sequence starts? Because I guess my question to you is, what do you think is happening in this movie as far as Michael? Is he a supernatural being or not? Because if you believe that he survived the mob actually killing him, adrenaline works wonders, man. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> I'm kidding. Like okay, at first, thank you. <laughs> at first, I was like, all right. Like he got hit in the face with a ball bat, and I think someone had like a golf club or something, and I was like, man, they're tuning him up. And then that guy shoots him in the chest five <laughs> times. I was like, oh. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was so awesome, just the slow escalation of it. I mean, you know, four, he got shot like a hundred times and fell down a mine shaft, and they didn't make sure they finished the job. It, yeah, you know, but, they, you know, I, I I guess I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's just because I don't want to lose that point. There is a zero problem with that in four. Or if I bring up this point in a movie like Halloween four or Halloween five, yeah, or, you know, yeah. the other ones, it's like it's just kind of like a, like a fun thing. It's like, ah, ha, ha, you know, they're so dumb and whatever. Yeah. The problem is that Halloween 2018 and this Halloween, they're so much better made. And that's why I was talking about earlier. Like, it's the movie's fault because they... 
they're better. They're you know, and so <laughs> they I, welcome this criticism by having the gall to be good. A hundred percent right. I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> you can't you can't half ass it. If you're gonna, if you want me to take it seriously, then I'm gonna take it seriously. I can't only take it seriously when it's convenient for the plot. So. The way that this movie, the last one and this one are set up, I feel like they exist in a universe where people would wonder why Michael Myers is not dead yet and would act accordingly. And that doesn't happen in this movie. Um, so, yeah, I, I am on board with you. And that's why, you know, all jesting aside, I like loved the ending because so Judy Greer shoots him like in the neck in the end of the first one. I'm trying to think like he could conceivably just be a big tough son bitch and like being trapped in that fire and you notice when they fall through he hit himself behind that steel door like he hit himself down there i mean presumably like you know just like a feral animal thought he was going to die but still he hid there kills a fireman gets out runs to the fireman he's in a lot of pain your boy needs some zannies but <laughs> he can conceivably live through this I mean, you're giving him a lot of credit. You're, you're no, 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 no. Hold on. I'm saying the things that happen up until the end of kills, he could conceivably live through, and that's why I fucking lost it when he just like. There's a wrestler named Road Warrior Hawk. When he, he would just go and just like stand up from shit, and that's like what Michael did. He got stabbed <laughs> in the neck by Judy Greer, and then just like after he'd been shot and beaten, and he got that shot of him like shakingly reaching for his knife and then he's just like oh yeah i've got a combo stored up and then just like stood up <laughs> because up until that point in these movies again it would take a, a hell of a set of circumstances but still conceivably he could have lived through the things that happened where that at the end it just in the last two or three minutes of the movie took this insane turn that i was just like what the fuck like what is gonna happen i mean i knew he wasn't gonna die die because there's a third one coming out but I kind of thought it was just going to end with him laying in the street and then, you know, we'd pick it up and the next one and the thorn would wake him up or some shit. <laughs> but so when he just like no sold it and stood up, that's where I could see, you know, the next one starting with him laying dead in the street and then figuring out some way. Because the way they do that, you know, really melodramatic dialogue over him like standing up waking up and killing mm -hmm. anthony michael hall and killing sheriff Brackett, and you know the people in the street i was like this is insane and then when he showed back up and killed judy greer my first thought was like god i hope that's a dream sequence as much if not anything just because i want judy greer i want the karen character back but i don't know what to make of that ending and that really excites me i don't know what that <laughs> means for the next one and i don't know you know if judy greer is dead that means that Allison uh, has lost both her dad and her mom at the hands of Michael Myers. Lori's lost her daughter at the hands of Michael Myers. I did appreciate, and I think that the Allison character is going to be a much bigger part of Halloween Ends because she was used pretty sparingly here. Uh, Allison, uh, Andy Matichok, I said, very, very small moments of very good acting from her. Um, and despite all the brutal kills and shit, I think the thing I probably winced hardest at was when she broke her leg falling down the stairs just because the way they, <laughs> the prosthetic they used for it. So, yes, I don't have an answer to your question if Michael Myers is supernatural or whatnot, because like I said, the ending of this threw me off so much and it, it has me so excited to see what they do. I think the rumor is that the next one's supposed to pick up four years down the line. Okay, I was about to ask you, but I didn't want to spoil it for you if you hadn't heard that. 
Well, that's, I guess, the rumor, and it's supposed to be set in the pandemic. Yep. And, uh, which honestly, <laughs> that sounds to me like uh, David Gordon Green just strolling the press. But yeah, exactly. That, like, I, I could also, you know, people think that's what's going to happen, and then the first trailer comes out, and it, it's just like this where it picks up the second this one left off type thing. Um, because what's he going to do for four years? So you're going to, you know, the Quentin Tarantino premise for six where he just travels down the highway and kills people. I don't know if they're going to do that, but um. it, I don't think that they would fix this movie for me, but it would at least the entire endeavor, the, 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 the franchise of this trilogy, I guess, would gain some of my respect if Halloween ends kind of opened revealing that the last, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes of Halloween kills didn't happen. Or rather that a little bit of what you were saying, if they just categorically explained that Michael died because he was human, I still find it, it's too much of a stretch for this type of movie, for the tone of the movie as I perceive it to be, too much of a stretch to believe that he would survive as long as he does. And he does the things that he does. Uh, you know, through Halloween 2018 and then Halloween Kills. But let's say that in reality, Halloween Kills, that climax is really happening. The mob led by Tommy Doyle actually killed him, killed him good. And uh, Halloween ends is about Tommy Doyle being a serial killer because he's, I mean, I'm just throwing something out there, but you know, like... Tommy Doyle is the new Michael. Michael is dead. And the new Michael, in, in a way, the new threat is, are just the people who were so psychologically damaged by what happened in in the last two movies that now they are a danger. And that's... I don't, I don't think anybody would like that in the sense that people want Michael Myers in a Halloween movie. But that's the only I way that... See, I can see the trailer coming out and it explains that's the premise of it. And, and then I just see you in your living room like with your arms folded and like this just proud, smug smile on your face. <laughs> I would I would take a selfie and send it to you. <laughs> uh, I, I, I can't imagine that happening because it has to be... Michael Myers has to be in a Halloween movie. But then I would be like, okay, well, at least that explains some something. I just... I wanted this movie to commit and it didn't commit to anything. Ah, uh, disagree with you, mate. It, well, because it is such a... I mean, I, I think that what it boils down to in this aspect is just that... Uh, the movie that you were expecting versus the movie that I was expecting based on the, the To be clear, this is nowhere near what the movie I was expecting was. No, but I think as far as like uh not plot wise, but more as in like the the tone and what you wanted to get out of this movie. Because I was expecting a continuation of the realistic or the more grounded take on the franchise from uh Halloween 2018, and it, it it even looked like I was getting that in the first, I don't know, 40, 45 minutes of this movie, uh, you know, with Tommy and his friends at the bar and just the way that he talks about it and the fact that <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis was bleeding out on a bed, not ready to take on any new adventures and just that the way that the community was reacting to everything, that felt, like, realistic. But then the movie didn't, you know, didn't follow through. And instead, I, I, I have a really hard time b- believing that Michael Myers is just walking around because he's just a dude that is very resilient. <laughs> That's <laughs> It was hard enough to buy. At the Townspeople are really bad shots, man. <laughs> uh, 
that is a problem number one and the problem number two is that the, the fact that yes you can justify basically everything that happens in this movie by saying well people are stupid and man we've said on the show plenty of times people are stupid i mean the covid situation has proven <laughs> that everything you ever every time you rolled your eyes at a horror movie thinking people wouldn't do that well you were wrong because plenty <laughs> of people will uh, act against their own interests and whatever but you know what it doesn't make for a good movie that's the main problem this movie uh, what a movie where people were going to be smart about it because that would have been more interesting than just i don't need to see lonnie <laughs> telling the kids to stay back while he goes to confront a serial killer that's already killed a bunch of his friends on this night Especially when he knows Tommy Doyle is somewhere around here with a big bat. You know, he's like, but no, I have to go do it right now. And yes, I can say, well, Lonnie's an idiot and he's cocky and he doesn't really know whatever. But that version of the story, that choice, that storytelling choice, it's nowhere near as interesting as him being smarter than that. You know, and, and it happens with every single one. The, the two kids go after him almost immediately and then they split. <laughs> it's just, come on that nobody here like really seems to take michael myers as seriously as they should and you know so when you couple that with the fact that uh the movie doesn't again some of that resides in the fact that they don't really know how dangerous he really is but allison does yeah i i will concede one point you made is that because Lori always says she stressed it for forty years how dangerous he is. Mm-hmm. In the situations Allison's in, yes, yeah, she could have been a bit more, uh, could have set off a few more alarms. Like, well, hey. also even Lonnie after when you get to that point, because by then they already you know they found uh, how many people? Four people killed by him in the you know, and these were people that were armed. It was like uh, the couple that was dressed up as a nurse and a doctor. Dude gets the, stabbed through the fucking eye. It's yeah. awesome. That was awesome. Like I, my favorite kill, I think, is uh, when Michael kicks the door and swings the gun around. Swings the guns around it, and she shoots herself. That was amazing. Um, did you notice the silver shamrock masks this time? I did. I, I mean, well, to be fair, they were like in the trailer. Blatant. So. Yeah. 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 I I thought that was kind of haunting. I didn't really put the two and two together until the second time I watched it. It was like, oh, he murdered the other kid. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> in the 2018 one, you know, he murders a kid on camera. I shouldn't have been surprised by that. Yeah, you make a couple good points. Um, the other ones, I think I've resoundedly defeated your arguments, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Haddonfield is full of idiots. There you go. Yeah, that, ex- I- that explains everything. You go visit the Midwest and come back and yeah, that's one thing. Like you go to fucking Dayton, Ohio, you would come back and be like, that movie makes a lot of sense now. I think you that would- if the if the thesis of your movie, if you know, I asked you at the very beginning, what is the movie trying to say? If this movie is trying to say that well, people Midwesterners are stupid. Are stupid. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That people are so stupid that they can't even get their shit together when there's a supernatural killer walking among them, or they can't even tell if he's supernatural dead. Like, I did, if that's the point, I wish that they'd driven the point home much more uh, strongly, because if it is, it gets it gets bogged down on everything else that's going on. I do appreciate along the way with all this, though, they make a greater effort than I think maybe only four would be the one that you could say tried to establish um, or create a sense of community in terms of like locations and Mm -hmm. people 
and you know actually making because the 2018 one you, you got the, like the Karen character and the Wiz is in there and Allison and stuff, but it really still just felt like a lot of Laurie Michael stuff. With this, there's Laurie and Michael aren't even the stars of this. We'll, we'll get to who probably has the most screen time in just a second, but one of the things I really liked was the the um, setting building and like you really started to get an understanding of Haddonfield as a community. Like I said, that doesn't really exist in any of the other movies aside from four and to you know, a certain extent five, but five's not a good movie. So I don't really <laughs> want to give it credit. Um, so Anthony Michael Hall for, I don't know if I texted you. I remember telling Ben this for all the, um, the audience that was out there that said the trailers gave way too much away. Uh, they didn't give away that Anthony Michael Hall was pretty much the star of the movie. I mean, obviously, we have a lot of people in this that we've already mentioned, actors and actresses. It's a pretty loaded cast, but he he might have the most screen time of anybody in this. And I thought he was awesome. Like, his shaved head and his whole, like, almost unfounded bravado and that giant chip on his shoulder and, uh, you, you know, his he sense... For Trump? Oh, God, yes. He... <laughs> Everyone in that town did. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and the whole, like, um, flair for the dramatic, the line he had about, Laura, you protected me 40 years ago, so I'll protect you tonight. In the in the universe this movie exists in, in the dialogue, like I already mentioned, that I felt was uh, willingly trying to be a bit more, uh, I, I use the term Shakespearean, but kind of old, old style like mm. Hollywood like in the days where the movies were written was to ensure that they weren't written the way people really talk because that's not what people wanted to see at the same time with the Tommy Doyle character as he's presented here I could see that dickhead really thinking like saying something poignant like that in the moment would really like you know nail the, the moment home so mm-hmm. um, oh, I actually and, think I, I, as I was thinking about it that might be my favorite moment in the movie uh, mm. and I bought it you know because it's just yeah made sense i was disappointed that after he gave his little spiel at the open mic night he wasn't like all right anyway here's wonderwall um, but yeah i i i enjoyed him i i was more surprised the first time around than anything i remember just thinking like halfway through the movie i'm like is this is this tommy doyle's movie like what's, mm-hmm. what's going on here um man i would have loved it if it just been tommy doyle's movie what if it was paul rudd yeah, I've, 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 people have brought that up. I actually, I think Gerald might have asked it in that discussion. And uh, I think, I mean, I think Paul Rudd is a good actor, so he could pull it off. It would have been yes. closer to his, you know. Canonically, being, it would have made no sense at all. <laughs> what do you mean? Because of his age? or Because in this universe, Halloween 6 oh, doesn't exist. Oh, okay. No, but it could be just, you know, him playing a different version of Tommy Doyle. The the power of the runes stopped him. <laughs> I I would have loved to see him play this kind of tortured uh, Tommy Doyle. But I saw a, a bit of an interview with uh, one of the producers. It might have been... Uh, I know he was approached that. about it and he said, no, thank you. Right. And then there was this guy that was basically saying, you know, that they would have loved to have him. But in the end, it's kind of a good thing because he... he I think what they were saying was that Paul Rudd would bring too much baggage already. You know, you'd be distracted because it's Paul Rudd. Oh, whereas, yeah, yeah, Whereas, like, with uh, 
you know, now you just see him and it's like, oh, it's Tommy Doyle, you know? And, yeah. And, and I can see that. I mean, it still would have been really cool to see. Yeah, Pogba, no, no matter what would have happened, it's something people, I kind of brought it up jestingly, but like, because he played Tommy Doyle in another movie back when he was Paul Stephen Rudd, it was going to be brought up no matter what, and people were probably going to be like, hmm, I wonder what would happen if this was, you know, how it was. So, um, um, Well, we're yeah. the, the Tommy Doyle thing, though, because I do think that the, I, I wrote what this movie could have been, and I have, like, there's three different things that I think would have worked so much better, uh, at least for me or someone like me. One is just, like, a fully-fledged Tommy Doyle movie. The focus of the story is just his descent into madness. Uh, you keep Laurie in the hospital. She's not part of this movie. And Tommy just becomes a monster in his attempts to kill Michael. Ends up killing an innocent person. And then the real Michael kills him. And when Laurie hears about all this, at the very end of the movie, she realizes that Michael can be killed. And then I wrote, this is surprisingly close to what we got. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean like this is just like but I if they just being able to focus it as much as I appreciate Tommy kind of leading Haddonfield in revolt I think that maybe it would have been more powerful things would have been clearer if it was just we're just following Tommy Doyle going down this rabbit hole and it's his movie and then it's just Michael is a bad dude but but Tommy also becomes a bad dude by the end you know I it's just the whole thing at the hospital is so over the top I, I i was just that's when the movie lost me it had me until then and part of it is i'm a little more understanding now than when i first watched the movie because when i first watched the movie my thought was how can anyone think that this dude is michael myers because <laughs> it's just like a short uh overweight bald man and Remember i understand the guy from the 2018 one yeah yeah no i know who he is like i know he he was in the in the you know he's one of the people that escaped i did for like a second i was like what but then i realized that like nobody knows what he looks like i guess exactly you know, and, yeah. and they were all and it's a mob frenzy mob I mentality yeah it's that whole thing like if you know you walk into the middle of a crowd he's got a gun like that's you know yeah, yeah. but i reaction. but you know i think that it's it's a flaw in the filmmaking that i still had to you know that i need to take those extra steps to remind myself when it would have been like, I wouldn't have questioned it if the guy was just somebody that conceivably looked like Michael Myers, because I'd be like, Oh yeah. You know, th then I don't even have to stop and think about it. I'm like, Oh, th they can go with it. But anyway, yeah, that, that whole thing is like just so over the top. And I think that the movie would have benefited from just going, you know, the, the full Tommy Doyle way. But then if you're not going to do that, then forget about Tommy Doyle. And instead Halloween kills is, about what we were talking about earlier, about Lori coming to terms with the fact that Michael is not obsessed with her the way that she's obsessed with him. The movie is about her barricading herself in the hospital, expecting him to show up. And in the meantime, Michael is just going around Haddonfield, killing a bunch of people uh, as he goes to his house. And then Lori's granddaughter, uh, Allison, uh, she wants to get revenge for her father's murder. So she goes after Michael and then gets herself killed. And that sets Laurie up to go after him in the third movie. Now, this story would 100% need to have a moment where they acknowledge that Michael should be dead by now. <laughs> but they choose to go all slasher campy with it, which would be fine. Or they treat it seriously and have Allison become basically Paul Rudd's Tommy Doyle. You know, but in a more grounded way. And she's just... She's out there. She's this young person that's like, all right, in the last movie, we tried to kill him with like guns and the fire. <laughs> Didn't work. So now... I don't know. Let's go contact a shaman or something. <laughs> this is beyond our reality. 
Third option. Fuck it. Just give me a movie set in the period between Michael being captured and Lori becoming the recluse from 2018. And that's just a story that focuses on Officer Hawkins dealing with the guilt of having killed his partner while the Myers trial is taking place in the background. <laughs> that's That would be amazing. Just keep Thomas Mann as your lead. It's a Halloween movie because Michael Myers is there. You know, <laughs> He's not killing anybody. He's in custody. <laughs> you can call it uh, Halloween Zero or, you know, before Halloween or in between Halloween. I don't know. But any of those options I would have preferred, assuming that they were properly executed. Um, you Marvel folk and your fucking prequels. <laughs> I did not include those flashbacks in Halloween Kills. David Gordon Green did. He he decided that he he wanted to flesh that out for whatever reason. And I like them, but I also think that they're kind of they're there for fans. Oh yeah, dude. The shot where they're panning outside the Myers house where he's just like frozen in front of that line of police with Loomis behind him and then it cuts to the title card, full mast. I was just like, <laughs> yes. Even like in that moment I was like, alright, this isn't anything like I thought it was gonna be. And I was grateful for it. You know, a lot of these things you bring up could be panned out in Halloween ends, and that's what I loved about this is like it wasn't the movie I was expecting it to be. And then, like, the ending threw me for a loop so much. I have no idea what the third one's going to be. None. I'm looking forward to it, though. I know the Film Buster Boys had some theories about what it could potentially be. I know also one of the things they called out that was, like, that closing sequence, Michael's, like, walking around without his mask on, and I didn't really have a problem with it because I feel like it it's done a better job of, like not relying on that as the image it's clearly something he needs and wants but it's you know we we talked we talked at length about the mass controversy uh, <laughs> with some of the other movies in the past and with this one it seems like it's equally as important as it's not it's more about the man and it's i i just am so fascinated and excited to see where the third one goes so the third um, one is going to be michael without a mask I don't know. Just, just trying to fit in in society, just, wearing wearing like Harpo glasses, and you know, just he he doesn't talk. Still, he just kind of points at the things he wants. That's <laughs> like Michael. Like, a, it's the follow up to Curse of Michael Myers. He walks away with the, you know, dressed like a normal guy with a top hat. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Fuck. What is? I'm trying to think now. Yes, the the end of. I'm just picturing now. <laughs> Halloween ends, opens, and Michael Myers is like has that suit and that bad wig that uh, Anthony Hopkins is wearing at the end of Silence of the Lambs, and he's got the sunglasses on, and he's just, <laughs> and he, you know, he's outside of you know Anderson Hardware or something, just trying to look, you know, trying to blend in. I don't know why I thought of that. It wouldn't work because he can't talk on the phone. You know, I'm stabbing an old friend for dinner tonight or something. Actually, like he that. said uh, he said Walgreens. In line to get his uh, his booster shot. Just like the opening shot is him, yeah, wearing like a Hawaiian shirt with jeans, and he's just <laughs> curiously watching a kid playing in the blood pressure testing machine like, with the <laughs> thing around his arm while Christmas tunes play over the PA or something. And I brought it up already. Goes, like, want... Myers, <laughs> <laughs> Myers, Michael, and, and then <laughs> makes a joke about. You ever thought about changing your name? <laughs> Halloween ends. <laughs> the amount of uh, already, so. the amount of love that would pour out of my heart for David Gordon Green, <laughs> if that were to be the case, 
You can't oh, imagine, God. Alex. I mean, at this point now, it just there has to be a shot of Michael in street clothes and like a target for the the third <laughs> one to live up to my expectations that we've set. Um, I keep trying to go back to it. I do want to talk about real quick wrapping up here. Big John, Little John. Oh yeah. Um, awesome, awesome little side characters because they talk very goofy and very cutesy, but you know, there's couples that are like that. It's completely unlike Tina and five, Mm -hmm. which Tina is definitely a whipping boy for the franchise, but deservedly. So, uh, Wendy Kaplan, I think was her name and no, it's not her fault. It's just the way I forget the fucking idiot that directed that movie, what his name is, but (laughs) it's possible to have these characters that are going to be there and you know, they get killed, but they have an impact and they have like, they're not just acting dumb for the sake of being dumb. And I, yeah, I just got a big kick out of him. I, that guy, you know, we were talking about mad TV with Will Sasso earlier. What was the little John, uh, Michael McDonald was that actor's name from mad TV. And then I guess I wasn't familiar with big John, but just their back and forth, big John, little John. And, and then like for it to be so kind of cutesy to, Big John getting stabbed up the fucking armpit and then like gets his eyes gouged out in a practical effect, mind you. Um, and back to that whole like playwright, you know, the almost like vaudevillian style of it where uh, Michael McDonald comes up. He's like, Michael, mm-hmm. you came home. And, you know, then it cuts to the outside of the house. The way the guy scares him off the two, the Big John scares off the little kids. He stabbed his sister in the tits. Right up there, it was basically the 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 sweet spot of still being able to maintain tension and have a little bit of levity without it being too much. Like that's what I thought. Not Josh Gad in the 2018 one. Mm-hmm. That sequence I love so much, where they're in the yard and with the motion uh, sensing lights. Yeah, uh, but his dialogue is so like. Oh, I'm you know I'm trying to be Jonah Hill. That it's like okay, this is kind of killing the moment here. So, um, did you like the the cameo of the I don't remember his name, but the little kid from the last movie? Yeah, on the news broadcast mm-hmm. where the couple in the bar is like, "That's that little asshole kid from across the street." I thought that was funny. <laughs> Great stuff. The like I said, not without some things I would point out. Very few movies are perfect to begin with, but you know, I was saying it's now my number three ranked in them with Halloween and Halloween four being one and two. But as we just discussed in Haddonfield Nights, it's not like this series is an embarrassment of riches. There's (laughs) the that's something that I always get confused a lot of times in my own brain because the first one being my favorite movie ever, I'll sometimes just associate. That means that they're all good, even though I've seen them all ten times. It's easy to forget that a lot of them are trash. And uh, no, this is definitely one of the ones I would consider to be genuinely good. And th- that usually cuts off at the Rob Zombie one. So there's about five of them. I think I broke it down where I said five of them are good, three of them are great. That's kind of how I I think I still stick by that. Um, and then season so, of the witch just stands on its own. Correct. I I do. Some people rank that in their Halloween rankings. I do not. I feel it's unfair because it's an awesome horror movie for what it is. But you can't. You literally cannot compare it to the others. Um, I mean, you could try. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Michael never stole a piece of Stonehenge, and like we talked about when we did that episode, Cochran's plan is way more vile and heinous than anything <laughs> Michael Myers ever did. 
Just uh, bring him from uh, for Halloween ends. Tie it all together. But I did see, okay, so with all that out of the way, with it done, we'll close on this. I did see you said, uh, or you might have texted me or you either tweeted it, that after Halloween Kills, you're going to have a hard time motivating to watch one again. Are you telling me you're not going to go see Halloween Ends with me when it comes out? I'll go with you if you ask me, but I'm not, <laughs> not going to go. Dude, I was, I mean, I wasn't as excited for Halloween Kills as you were, but I was definitely interested like i was ready to have a good time and this movie let me down so hard and it didn't give me any confidence that david gordon green knows what he's doing as far as the third one you know like this movie is such a mess at the end in my experience that it gives me zero reassurance that it's just not going to be more of the same once you know halloween ends drops and and that's just gonna irritate me. Then again, I mean, I I probably at this point I'll just reset myself to my uh, my original status when it came to the franchise. Where I'm like, well, I'll go in expecting nothing, <laughs> and then I can't be disappointed if I'm not expecting anything. But I really, I mean, I have no interest in knowing how the story ends. That I've unless unless you know I hear that you know, one of those wild theories that we're throwing about, you know, is actually taking place. If it turns out that that Michael is dead, I'm like, all right. I, I, I can I can roll with that because that, that that means that I can kind of reconcile what I wanted from Halloween kills with what we got. But I don't I just don't see it. I I wish I had the excitement that you have at not knowing what to make of the ending. But I it just frustrates me because I don't feel that it's a um I know this is me not giving David Gordon Green any credit, you know, because I think that he definitely knows where he's going. I mean, from what I understand, I mean, he it sounds like he basically wrote Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, like, almost back-to-back. But execution-wise, as a filmmaker, I don't... It doesn't feel like it. It just feels like Halloween Kills is just like... And fuck it, and then they kill him. Except he isn't killed. He isn't dead. And then he kills Judy Greer. And... <laughs> Yeah, we find out it's a dream sequence, and then Halloween ends. Somehow, Michael Myers is back. <laughs> I mean, I cannot imagine. I don't know how you how you extricate yourself from the ending of Halloween Kills without, you know, in a way that that pleases me, but also in a way that pleases the fan base. And I guess that is the ultimate point and the biggest difference between the two of us and that is that as much as i've grown to appreciate the franchise like the high points of the franchise you know as i've watched them and you've talked me through them whatever i think the halloween kills made it clear that in the end it is not a franchise that's made with me in mind because the the people that truly love the franchise people like like you and ben and gerald you like the the really good stuff that, that that works for you it carries you over to where you get to the end of halloween kills and you're like even subconsciously you're trusting him to make it make sense in the next one and i don't have that experience i get to the end of halloween kills i'm like what the fuck is he doing <laughs> that's uh that has to come at least partially with how we experience the rest of the franchise uh so I mean, I'll go watch it with you. I'll go watch any movie with you. We watch that, uh, you know, we watch Chuck 
which is a movie that I never would have gone seen unless you hadn't brought it to my attention. <laughs> it was fine. Yeah, I had a good time. I think a big part of at least my modern fandom with Halloween was living through those Rob Zombie movies in real time. At this point, can't do much worse. So, <laughs> I think we probably though we would because I would hate to be the 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 guy that's not enjoying the movie while you know you and Reed and Lillian and everybody uh, and Kelly you know you're all having a great time and I'm there like my arms are crossed and I'm just <laughs> walking out in the middle of a pivotal scene just to go get a refill on my soda or whatever. <laughs> So it would probably be something similar to this. Well, uh, I'm assuming that's assuming that it was it would be available to stream right away. If not, I guess I would have to just go watch it in theaters. But yeah, and that's one that I think everyone thought was a pretty risky call, but uh, worked out all right. It's already made over a hundred million dollars at the box office. So, like I said in the lead-in on our previous one, and we're already an hour and a half on this fucker. So um, this more so than any Halloween movie I've seen in my life um, in real time, I should say, during my lifetime, felt like an event movie because obviously we're so depleted of things right now. And I think due to the state of everything with the pandemic and you know, still kind of easing back into movies in the theater – that this got a way bigger moment in the sun than it would have gotten under normal circumstances. I think when the 2018 one came out, it definitely came with its fanfare. And um, I remember the the buzz was pretty good. It was, there was a pretty exciting feeling around it. And yeah, it made $250 million at the box office. So it, it did its part. But with this, I think due to the, the simultaneous release on Peacock, with the accessibility of that, mixed with the fact that it's a big franchise that even if you haven't seen any of them, you know what it is. And just like the starved for big time event movies. Mm-hmm. And with the whole thing of it coming out around Halloween was good too. You'd be surprised listening public that uh, <laughs> some Halloween movies in the past have come out in August or, you know, the summertime. So the fact that it had a swelled interest and, a bigger spotlight than I believe it would have had under, you know, quote unquote, normal circumstances, I think definitely attributes to how many reviews it's gotten on Rotten Tomatoes. Cause I think it's like 38% or something. Oh, um, I hadn't checked. That's a flawed system. If you, if y'all didn't know that, <laughs> but, um, let me hear you complain about the Eternals, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's what I should do. I should write a, a story on uh, Halloween kills. It's like, this is what the rating really means. Um, <laughs> so I think again, this is, I'm just kind of speaking to my thought on the reaction to it. Generally, it's been cool to have people that have never talked to me about a Halloween movie before tell me that it sucks just because I'm like, hey, that's cool. You watched a Halloween movie. And, you know, people on social media that I know have, that I've known for years and that don't watch these things to comment on it. So I'm glad that it had a bigger it had as big of an audience as it did. And I'm glad it got to as many people as it did. Um, this has been an interesting discussion to those people that I know don't have any knowledge of the franchise. I'm not going to take my time to argue with them or, you know, defend my stance on it. <laughs> Is the original still your favorite? The original? No. Remember, my ranking goes... Yeah, That's right. The original's not your number one. I'm sorry. What What was your number one? 
2018, I think, was my number one. And I guess it remains my number one. Yeah, I think the way I had it was 2018, Halloween 4, H2O. I think those are my oh, top Oh, that's three. right. Yep, it's coming back to me now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. H2O. Love. Yes. I just love H- that, the, you know, in this tangled web we weave, Ben loves Halloween Kills and also Ben loves H2O. So you can't really get mad at him. <laughs> No, I can. There's other things Ben <laughs> likes that I don't agree with. And I don't get mad about it. I just, again, if I wanted to watch Halloween H2O, I would just watch Scream instead. That's always been my argument towards that. Well, and now um, I know KT and OT, they, they, their favorite is the first Rob Zombie, and then their second one, I think, is H2O. <laughs> that The Rob Zombie one being the favorite to anyone doesn't make sense to me. But, hey... <laughs> It's not but my it, mind to make up. But see, if you come at it, because they, they were not really familiar with the franchise at all. So they experienced it as a very, I think, disjointed enterprise. And the Rob Zombie puts everything together, concentrated in like one movie. Yeah, but you don't need to see him as a kid. It's like, I didn't want to see Boba Fett as a little kid. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't want to see Darth Vader as a little kid. My issues, my adoration of Rob Zombie's Halloween comes more in the second act and also the the good acting that's in the first portion. Um well, patrons you probably already have but you know if just check out our, our Rob Zombie Halloween episode during Haddam Phil Nights cuz Alex Yeah, and talk I about a, a tangled web that's woven. That's just like <laughs> my yeah. relationship with that. So, okay, man, 2018 for I respect for, of course. It, that's I still genuinely think that's a good movie. We're on different sides of the coin here. I think we've realized through this discussion, though, I was kind of worried you were just going to say the whole thing sucked, and I was going to be like, we got way more out of this than I expected. Like, I would be less upset if the whole thing sucked. The worst thing is that oh. it, was, it was really good for like a solid you know, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, maybe even an hour. And then, like I said, it just let me down. I was like, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> Knocked the LaCroix cans off the table. <laughs> All right, patrons. Ben, I'm sure you're going to have a response to some of this stuff. Let me hear it. And um, yeah, our patrons, uh, go check out the Film Busters. Their, their roundtable discussion about this. Very good, very entertaining stuff. Loved Ben getting frustrated with them multiple times throughout that. It was very entertaining <laughs> to listen to. So, Yeah, I was, and I was happy to hear that there was dissent uh, among the ranks. I, I was glad that there was... Uh, you know that Paul seemed more like a lot less in love with it. Kind of, I mean, I mean, I agreed with his points more than I did with anybody else's. Even though there are some things that I think that he just he dislikes. I don't mind. Didn't he say that it was too brutal? Yeah, which I I don't mind that. I that's that's fine. That's that's this world. It was pretty brutal the last time around too. <laughs> it was brutal, but still in like a. A Hollywood type way. It wasn't like a depiction of, with the exception of that guy getting just like pinotted with the knives, <laughs> uh, uh, pin cushioned is the phrase I was looking for. Excuse me. And the boyfriend just getting his neck battered, and then Michael just turning and breaking his neck. I I kind of snickered at that because it was such a dickhead thing for him to do. Been a fun discussion, Julio. We I did it. We, got we did two it. Two years or so until we revisit this, and yeah, we're still a, a duo here. No. No podcasts have been canceled over this discussion, so <laughs> I think we're good to go. Patrons, hope you all enjoyed the discussion. Uh, like I said, 
If y'all have anything to add into it or weigh in on, be sure to hit us up. Tweet us, write us, send us an audio clip. Do what you need to do. Yeah. Oh well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the Film Busters episode. I guess I like I said I I was on that Gerald Two Piece episode, which is available now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and then the, the Katie and Oti from For Your Reference, they they did their own. You know, they have one episode where they just talk about the entire franchise, uh, which was fascinating to hear because they kind of went on the journey that I went through, except that they you know condensed it all to one episode, and we spread mine out over several. <laughs> but, it was, I, I mean, you know, that's just art, like how everybody perceives things their own way and just listening to the things that, you know, I agree with on, on their takes and then things that I I experience a very different way and that I know you've experienced a very different way. It just, it's a lot of fun. And uh, the main reason why I would watch Halloween Ends, besides, you know, the fact that I, would, that I could talk to you about it, is just also that I would be able to hear how all these other friends that we have that have opinions about it. I mean, I want to be in the loop <laughs> when, <laughs> when people are trashing Halloween Ends or praising Halloween Ends. I want to be able to just form an opinion, uh, you know, based on what I watched and just be part of the conversation. So, so yeah, I guess it's it's going to happen. We got two years. We'll figure it out. Who knows? You could rewatch this and be like, I was wrong. So, <laughs> yeah, I doubt it, but okay. <laughs> the best case scenario for me is Halloween ends comes out and it's somehow you, you walk out of it and you're just like, Halloween kills was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> that son of a bitch did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just <laughs> you son of a bitch. All right. Patrons, again, I know I mentioned y'all several times throughout this but we can't thank you enough for uh continuing to support us uh, like i said let us know what you think and we will catch you next time together we can make a difference that's been the sign off for everything live stream for the cure related ever since the event began back in 2017 Hello everyone, my name is Nick and I am the host of the live stream for The Cure, an annual charity event to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute for immunotherapy research for a world immune to cancer. And over the past six years, we've made that difference together. Amazing listeners, amazing viewers, amazing podcast partners and content creators all coming together and we've raised over $70,000. But this year, we're going to make our biggest difference to date, and we're going to raise $25,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Tune into the event at twitch.tv slash livestream for the cure starting May 18th, as we're joined again by podcast partners and content creators from around the world to help the Cancer Research Institute crush cancer. Together, we will make a difference. Previously on The Contrarians... this Alex before we even like go any further the conversation that's going to like ensue here it's your fault because oh yeah because you made me watch all the Halloween movies and you made me care Halloween kills. but let's say that in reality Halloween kills 
that climax is really happening. The mob, led by Tommy Doyle, actually killed him. Killed him good. And uh, Halloween ends. It's about Tommy Doyle being a serial killer. Because he's... I mean, I'm just throwing something out there. But, you know, like... Yeah. Tommy Doyle is new Michael. Michael is dead. And the new Michael, in a way, the new threat are just the people who were so psychologically damaged by what happened in in the last two movies that now they are a danger. And that's... I don't, I don't think anybody would like that in the sense that people want Michael Myers in a Halloween movie. But that's the only I way that... See, I can see the trailer coming out and it explains that's the premise of it. And, and then I just see you in your living room like with your arms folded and like this just proud smug smile on your face. <laughs> I would I would take a selfie and send it to you. <laughs> I think we probably though we would cuz I would hate to be the 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 guy that's not enjoying the movie while you know you and Reed and Lillian and everybody uh Kelly you know you're all having a great time and I'm there like my arms are crossed and I'm just <laughs> Walking out in the middle of a pivotal scene just to go get a refill of my soda or whatever. <laughs> Hello, patrons. Welcome to, uh, I guess, the, the bonus episode for October. This a uh, very special match. It's a uh, swinging Alex Mattis versus skeptic Julio Oliveira, and the uh, the final bout to end the Halloween franchise. All right, you fucks. This is the deal. <laughs> this is did great. Evil, uh, l- did evil die tonight, Alex? Hilariously so. And right away, if you haven't seen it yet, go to Peacock and watch it if you care to, because we're this is going to be very spoiler heavy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Julio, my question right now is, based on the text we exchanged and your obvious dismay and uh, dismissal of Halloween Ends, based on your one-star review uh, (laughs) versus my four-star review on Letterboxd, (laughs) at this point in the game, are you wishing you had gone with the first option and we did Rob Zombie's Monsters for our October bonus episode? (laughs) No, no, come on. We all need closure. And that's fair. That's this. This needed to happen. I, I think that I need to set the table as far as my side of the story because there is more of a disconnect now between the two of us than there was with Halloween Kills, and uh, I just want everybody listening to this to be aware of the fact that Halloween Kills made me mad. I was fully invested. You know, Halloween 2018. Listen to that episode on the main feed. I cared. And and then listen to the Halloween Kills episode that we did last year. Because I cared, I was thoroughly disappointed <laughs> that Halloween Kills did not do what I wanted to do based on what I expected at the end of Halloween 2018. But I said, famously, <laughs> I was like, I don't really care about the sequel at this point. I have no faith in David Gordon Green sticking the landing because the way that he's, what he's done with Halloween Kills doesn't fill me with confidence that whatever he wants to do next is going to to work for me and so unlike with halloween kills i went to into halloween ends uh i want to say that went with zero expectations because it wasn't that it was more and i wish it hadn't been the case but it was more like a lack of interest you know it was 
that is a horrible attitude to have going into a movie. The the idea of like, all right, well, prove yourself to me. <laughs> you know, I like going into movies just expecting the best and just wanting to enjoy what's going to happen. But in this case, I had already lost respect for the storyteller. And so Halloween Ends was going to fight an uphill battle with me to begin with. And at least I'll tell you this, I was aware of it. And I told everybody, (laughs) if Halloween Kills is what David Gordon Green wants to do with the franchise, there's a very high chance, probability, that Halloween Ends is just not going to be for me. At the same time, hilariously, on that same Halloween Kills episode, and I, I plan to send you the, the the clip so you can put it at the beginning of this, this conversation, but when we were talking about things that I wish the sequel did, Halloween Ends, I did mm-hmm. mention, I did say that I thought it would be a better idea for them to actually kill Michael Myers at the end of Halloween Kills. And then the third movie is about Tommy Doyle becoming a serial killer, becoming the new Michael Myers because of the trauma that's been inflicted upon him uh, by his existence in Haddonfield, which is kind of what this movie does. (laughs) This movie has a character that becomes a serial killer because of you know, in a way, as part of a chain of events that begin with Halloween Kills, or maybe even, you know, the first Halloween, whatever. I still didn't like it. <laughs> even when David Gordon Green kind of sort of gave me what I was asking for, uh, it still didn't work for me. And uh, I mean, you know, we're going to talk about why, and we're going to talk about why you like it so much. But I guess I just wanted the disclaimer out there, which is that in all fairness, this movie, you know, the game was rigged. This this movie was going to have a really hard time winning me back from Halloween Kills. And uh, I can appreciate some of the things that they brought to the table. I can also point out at least one element that I just don't understand how we can't all agree that like, there's one thing in this movie that's 100% bad. And yet I've seen people, you included, defending it. <laughs> so... I don't know. Um, what's that? What's that is uh, fucking, what's his name? Rohan Campbell? He sucks. <laughs> With respect well, to that actor. That's like I don't your know opinion, man. <laughs> I think he's terrible. <laughs> I think he he has zero charisma. And I think that you need it. You need you need that special something if you're going to capture my interest with this type of character. And, but he, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but it's like I don't know what. Uh, what's her name? It's not Andy. Andy's her real name. Um, Andy Matichok. Yeah, Matichok. Yeah, I don't know mm-hmm. what Allison sees in him. Like I understand like the logic of it, right? It's like oh well, they share trauma. She, you know, he's broken and she wants to fix him. Well, but she's also twenty two. And, you know, not fully developed as a human being. I think she's attracted to danger in this circumstance. Yeah, but it's not that he's not dangerous. I mean, it's not the dangerous part. It's just the part that he is a wet blanket. Like, I don't see what's interesting about him. You know, it's like he has a tragic backstory. And I guess that's what's, you know, initially attracts him to him. But I just don't get it. You know, I, I, I see him and I'm like, I don't know why anybody would even start a conversation with this dude. You know, some actors have it and some actors don't. And 
I I just can't. I see when you lead with that. The problem is there's really no room for any type of discussion now. It's just like you don't like him. That's it. And obviously, if <laughs> you don't like Corey, then that it, movie's it, not going to work for you. It is a big problem. I agree. <laughs> I like some things about the movie though, and and I I'm open to the idea that if you like Corey, then this movie works better for you. But I still think that it's a really weird direction to take for what is the end of a trilogy. It felt more like I was watching an episode of the Haddonfield TV series where, you know, they don't Freddy's feature... Nightmares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of thing, you know? It's like, you have references to Michael Myers. Maybe you'll see him in the, like, background. <laughs> but this is about the other people in Haddonfield that have their own traumas and, you know, deal with the life-to-life horror of being a Haddonfield resident. It is, it's an interesting idea, but I don't know that it's what... It's definitely not what I wanted from the story that started in 2018. So in you movie, just want Halloween 1, is what you want? No, I wanted, I wanted something... Okay, honestly, I wanted it to end at the end of Halloween 2018. <laughs> but it didn't, right? And so this movie ends in a place that I actually wanted. Because you might remember way back when we did the 2018 episode. It's so fucking awesome. Our friend Eddie was talking about it with me and uh, the other night. And I was joking with my buddy Armadillo Dave about uh, the end is like mm-hmm. someone who hates slasher movies. would it's something they would yell at the screen. Yep. Just throw them in a car compactor. Yep. And, you know, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride were like, well, that guy... That, I'm, I think he's on to something over there. And like it's it. just, so, oh yeah, it's fucking awesome. Well, it's great, not just the visual side of it, but also that that's what I've been asking from the citizens of Haddonfield for, you know, two movies, three movies even, and specifically of uh, Lori. You know, like it drove me crazy that she wasn't as thorough in killing him back at the end of 2018. And so for them to finally silently acknowledge that this evil can only that okay well it's not even that this evil can be killed but more that okay well let's be as thorough as possible here i was surprised they didn't like chop him up in like a hundred pieces first and then throw him oh, in it's the, so metal when his head explodes when it gets stuck in there and then like it's so fucking ridiculous like the town gathers up to you know make this sacrifice and uh, I love the you know the the new cop who probably just moved to Haddonfield from Chicago like the big city and he tells the sheriff this isn't how we do it and he's, <laughs> what he says like it is tonight uh, <laughs> that's cool but but how we got to that to that final sequence is not uh I don't know. It's it's not how I would have wanted it to be, but there, I have. I mean, you remember my issues with Halloween Kills and the. Um, it's too good for you. No, the just the logic <laughs> of it, you know. And there were this you can movie, see this coming if you go back and rewatch eighteen and Kills. You see this is oh, you see Ron Campbell like in the background, and you're like oh, that guy, <laughs> he's, he's gonna lead the third movie. <laughs> he's Adam Zeekman, that SNL skit. He just is like in the you, you don't remember him, but he's back there. No, the doctor. The final shot of 2018, what is explained in Kills, Michael Myers isn't the 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 problem. Evil changes shape. That that now that part was the 
when she finishes her book and she says it changes shape, that was the it's the chainsaw moment for me. I was <laughs> oh, like, there oh, is a hundred chainsaws in this movie, but but there have been chainsaws all throughout the David Gordon Green trilogy. Yeah, so. and it, it's clear they get off on the homages to the franchise because I know I already asked you, you didn't catch it, but the font is the Halloween three season of the witch font, um, much like they had the one and two. You got the DJ in this, which is mm-hmm. kind of the homage to Halloween 6. You know, the Howard Stern guy they had. Uh, the sequence where he kills all the band students, that's framed and presented not unlike the scene in Halloween 5 when he runs down Tina and the fucking little doofus kid and uh, Danielle. What's her I just watched 4 earlier. What's her name? <laughs> Jamie. No, duh, Jamie. And so there's like aspects of it that all throughout i did have one freak out when i was like ready to fucking i thought for one second that they were reinvoking the thorn because when michael kills when the he and Corey kill together and when mm-hmm. like Corey puts his hand to the window for some reason i thought like he maybe had blood on his hand or something and i thought he was gonna like I just had this fleeting moment of like, if they do some fucking thorn bullshit here, of okay. course, at that point in the movie, that probably you would have been like, yeah, why not? Yeah. I guess I also want to make it clear. Like, I don't, I'm not angry by this. You know, none of this frustrated me in any way. Uh, you know, like I said, Halloween Kills did that. With this, I was just more kind of like pretty disconnected from everything that was happening uh, I was I kept hoping for the movie to kind of like bring me back with anything but it never did really did that so I was just watching things happen on the screen and kind of like recognizing some things and I'm like okay I know what you're trying to do I see where you're going uh, were you shocked as I was when the little kid died in the beginning yes that opening is great the so the opening is really good the final <laughs> like the way that they dispatch Michael Myers at the very end is it's kind of cool I like uh, Will Patton I I think oh, that he's so cute he's just you know the, the closest to a normal person in this movie to somebody that you can like alright he acts like like a regular person would I told you when I saw you a couple of nights ago I have a hard time buying Laurie Strode in this movie just the the big jump the big transformation that she has off camera from the As end Eddie of kills asked you, was four years not enough time for coping and processing for you. Uh, there's a difference between coping and processing and becoming uh, almost a completely different person. She's again, she's baking pie, <laughs> brother. Just- there's the the line of exposition where Allison tells Corey that she got sober and has been in therapy for years. Yeah, and, it, too easy. That's just like the movie explaining it to me. But the, we all watched her in Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills. And on like this is before she well, even I mean, realizes that her daughter is dead. Yeah, she didn't really do much in Halloween Kills, but I get your point. Um, yeah, I mean, she was, she was this gung-ho killing machine. And then Halloween ends, opens, and she's writing a book. And, you know, she's... Yep cleaned herself up and now she's just a happy grandma it, it was just it, I, I needed one moment of transition I, I needed to see something dude sometimes it's just it could be just that I need like the extra you can't just tell me you need to show me you know like I if you show me if the first thing we see is her at like some sort of uh, 
not AA meeting, but, you know, like a support group that's, then I understand. I was like, okay, I see that this is an ongoing thing. But when you see her in this movie, at least for, like, you know, a big chunk of it, it's almost like 2018 and kills didn't happen. It was like, oh, this is Laurie Strode. You know, she went from Carpenter's Halloween to this one. And just that her behavior, you know, she's just there and she's like, all right, yeah, we had, we had some scares, but it's okay. I'm going to flirt with Will Patton now. I'm going to. Tell him that I might go to Japan with him someday. And then that lady yells at her outside the, the mall. And I was like, the nerve. She saved your life. That's another. Uh, there's definitely an aspect of this that nails the Midwestern small town. Everyone knows everybody thing. Because obviously everyone knows Lori around town. Mm-hmm. And that's. Everybody that's knows Lori too. Yeah. That's. Well, I like that. I've seen. Yeah, that scene in the bar where the mom like accosts him for being out. Um, my aunt was killed by a drunk driver um, where my cousins live, like Midwest town, just like that. And I never lived there, but you know, uh, I was I was too young to really register what was happening. But I know now that it was a high school kid that did it, and like, you know, to this day, I think that my aunt or uncle or cousins see him every once in a while around town and that's uh that's an interesting emotion to have to go through and that's i think this movie does i mean come on these movies are fantastical so i'm not at all trying to say like what it conveys is real that's what i talked about with fucking halloween kills it's just like oh okay this is mythos now which is fine with me because I enjoy it. But just what they do in too much of, you know, Jamie Lee is a meme machine in terms of like the coping with trauma, you know, <laughs> past trauma, all that. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. Um, I think the story of Michael is a little bit bigger than just past trauma. I think it's just a constant evil. But introducing side stories like this where this guy's like a pariah around town and then, you know, actually does run into the the mom and then like we find out i guess they're separated because we see the dad later and they both obviously have hit the bottle pretty hard in the years since it, it adds um something to relate to, to the story without in my opinion being too contrived or too uh, uh lazy of a storytelling device i had no idea where this was going for a good like the first half probably i honestly thought it was working backwards like i thought that it was I thought that somehow that kid dying was like the climax because just the shit they were doing, like the, the next scene, it shows him like at his job at the junkyard and he's working on a muffler. And then in the next scene, Allison's talking about how her muffler's fucked up. So I thought it was going to be like this fucking irreversible, you know, not that, no. but <laughs> like this backwards kind of story being told. I thought um, they put uh, timestamps on the thing though. Don't they say like four years later or they they actually put like the date? They do at the very beginning. Maybe I wasn't paying attention to the, you know, one year later. It might have hit the screen. I've seen it twice now. I think I noticed it. But I was just entranced, Julio. I couldn't. I couldn't <laughs> you lost away. yourself in uh, Ron Campbell's beautiful eyes. I don't get that. I have no problem with this kid. I think it's also because I've been through a lot with horror movies. I've lived through Tina. Uh, and her fucking Cliff Compton boyfriend in that one, and I yeah, but they they raised the bar. I, it's like I've said it before. It's in a way, it's their own fault because they set my expectations to be high. Okay, you know? 
with 2018. It's like, this kid, well, it's one of the things where, you know, you like him and I don't. And I'd be curious to see if that is like the defining element. Like if everybody that dislikes Halloween ends dislikes Ron Campbell. And, and that is like the, the breaking Did point. Did you see the one of the criticisms was there wasn't enough Michael and someone... I retweeted it. Someone did the screen time for like the other ones. And it's like he has more. Michael Myers has more screen time in Halloween ends than he did in the original Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that is not. I would say, I I mean, I just can't. I can't help myself. I have to apply logic to these movies. And it's like. Well, that's a problem. But if you want to do that, I can do that, too. Um, (laughs) Oh, oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> no, okay, so it, it's just you know that Michael's status as a supernatural being and like his abilities and his his power, so to speak, you know, his, his stamina, his endurance, whatever, it just it just changes according to what the story needs it to be. I and I, no, I found that it changes depending on like how much people fear him and how much power they give him. <laughs> Okay, the entire town of Haddonfield has been haunted by what he did in Halloween Kills. And yet, he's like living in a sewer, like can barely stand up. Well, also, <laughs> the, it's very important to call out. <laughs> okay, that's another thing that people were like all butthurt about. And I was just like, he's an old man who's dying. Uh, but like the point okay, is, he is this, he was an old know, man no. that was dying in Halloween Kills. And he just absolutely destroyed Tommy Doyle well, that, and his people. That line Who were was not a joke. afraid of him. They were pretty angry, but they didn't seem afraid of him. They were terrified of him. They needed to kill him. And the problem they like they needed to do anything they could. They became monsters, as Charles Cipher <laughs> said. Oh yeah, that's right. The sheriff did say that. But <laughs> the thing is also it's said in dialogue in Halloween Kills. The more he kills, the more he transcends. He has to kill to continue and like you made the dumbass comparison to it and it really if you want to get down to basics it's the fucking it's freddy's plot from freddy versus jason people forgot about him people aren't scared of him anymore so he can't kill okay but that's not what happened in haddonfield nobody's that's, forgotten about about michael myers everybody talks about michael myers they, they everyone give- directs the attention to Lori. they say it's your fault everyone's redirected it it's that's kind of at one point i thought oh man is the like story gonna be that it's Laurie's the evil one, but the opening of the movie is Corey freaking out because of Michael Byers. Basically, the the reason that he has a panic attack is because of what happened in Halloween Kills. Who? Corey. Corey. Yeah. When the the kid like locks him up in the in the closet in the attic or whatever. Like the, the implication is like it's, you know, even like the mom says like before she leaves with the dad she's like oh you know, they had the kid just like fucked with him and I I took that more as like he was just claustrophobic or something but yeah you could be right but my point is like Michael Myers is an old man the idea of the evil and shit is like imbe- it's that whole when he kills Doug like he it's it's so fucking baller he's like a fucking monster like coming back to life like at one point it looks like he's embedded in the side of the concrete yep. but uh like how he's just like Ugh. and then you can see the like life coming back to him killing and whatnot and i think cuz it's also said and you if you pay attention you see like missing people signs and that hobo talks about every once in a while he'll come out and take someone in there mm-hmm. and i think he 
as Stretch says in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, they feed off fear. That's the whole thing with fucking uh, Corey when he grabs him. Corey's not afraid to die, at least in that moment. He's like, yeah, you you may have some point to your thing at the beginning of the movie, but he's just... He he's he has nothing in life anymore, and Michael's unable to do anything with him because he's not afraid to die, and that's kind of at the end too, where he bullies him, as people say, and, and <laughs> knocks him down and steals his mask because he tells him like, "I'm not afraid of you. You're just an old man in a Halloween mask." Okay, the problem is he see- fucks up then because Michael's still got a few clubs in the bag to break <laughs> out. But you can see how this doesn't really feel like a direct line from. 2018 like 2018 was very like grounded up until you got to like the very end you know that has the doctor that's obsessed with the and again i do not like the doctor subplot but he's obsessed with the idea of michael and the evil so much so that he has to feel what it is but that's a guy that lives in like the real world like that's like a normal kind of disturbed there's no like there's nothing in 2018 that would tell you like, oh, he feeds some fear or he's, you know, he has this supernatural element like that. The whole appeal, at least for me, of 2018 was that, oh, this is just a very grounded take on the Halloween mythology. You know, he was just like a, a- he does drive in that one. That's that's the most realistic <laughs> thing that yes. Michael does in that. <laughs> well, he's um, not even uh, and, and this is something that I like uh, that is kind of like a, a through line through all three and that is that you know that the whole like he's not even looking for lori <laughs> because i like even at the end the whole reason they're brought back together because he just followed his north star like the mask is like everything and they just he went to get his fucking mask back and that's he's like god damn it this bitch is here again i gotta take care of her yeah i i, I just wish that there was more of a i don't know you know i think that the halloween kills did put lori in a very interesting position when will Patton tells her that you know he wasn't coming for you. And I guess what she decides to do with that information, you know, we never really find out. We just know that, oh, well, eventually she just got over it. But the I like that the narrative in Haddonfield has become now like, this guy was a mental patient. His bus crashed. He started wandering off. And you, Lordy Strode, picked on him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because of you, he snapped and killed a bunch of people. I Yeah. I so, like that. I like that story. I just, I wish it wasn't muddled with all the like supernatural stuff that was not there at the beginning. You know, like I, I feel, and that's that's partly on me, you know, because that's that's what I was enjoying Halloween 2018, that it was just very much like, oh, this is uh, Michael Myers as just like this old dude that escaped imprisonment and now is back to kill people. And uh and it's kind of cool that it's, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis, Laurie Strode thinks that she's, he's coming for her, but instead he's just kind of making his way home. And uh, that story works for me a lot better if you don't add the supernatural stuff, uh, which, you know, explains my frustrations as the franchise has gone forward. That's fine. And again, your your takes on this are a little bit different. I mean, we've definitely gone... We had our Haddonfield Night series, and you've done more than your more than your share of uh, you know humoring me and going into these movies because I know horror movies specifically these types aren't your bag. Uh, so when I hear you say these things, I'm like, yeah, Julio is trying to analyze this from the perspective of it being a movie and not like kind of what I take to it. Um, 
I do like I'm kind of sick and tired of hearing all these people that are like, you know, Halloween purists talking shit about it. It's just like Halloween what? Purists, elitists, oh, what have oh. you. Are you gatekeeping the Halloween franchise, Alex? <laughs> no, but just be honest in what you're saying. You don't want the franchise to try anything. You want it to be like the 2018 one. You want Michael to escape and you want him to stalk people and you want him to kill people. That's all you want from it. And that's fine. Well, that's I mean, fucking what made the original like one of the greatest movies of all time. But, you know, it's the same people that talk about how fucking great Season of the Witch is. And Season of the Witch is great. Uh, but it's not exactly what you want it to be. So it's not good. I think what you've said so far, some of your criticisms are a bit more, um, I can take cause just saying, <laughs> I don't like, I don't like Corey. It's like, well, there's nothing I can do about that for you, brother. So let's move on to the next thing. I like the idea of Corey just to be, to be clear. And also uh, just, I know that you were talking about like the internet in general, but I, I don't have a problem with supernatural Michael Myers, uh, I have a problem with Supernatural Michael Myers as a follow-up to 2018. And I like 2018, you know, the, the grounded approach, but that doesn't mean that I am opposed to liking a movie where Michael is supernatural. I mean, you know, I like Halloween 4. I like, uh, well, I don't want to get into my rankings too much, but you know I like Halloween H2O. He's pretty supernatural in that one too. He has, like, unbelievable, like, upper body strength because he can just like slowly lower himself with one arm from the the <laughs> rafters i love yeah. it uh and 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 i like that they tried something new that's i wish that i had like enjoyed it and i texted you i was like i think i might be able to enjoy this movie more if i just forget about the previous two movies you know if i just watch it its own thing about a horror movie where this guy lives in a town that's haunted by the memory of this serial killer and he ends up becoming the next serial killer because of all this shit i like that is actually something i can you know get on board with you know of course the performance isn't working for me so it made it a little hard but then also by the end of the movie you can't escape the fact that it's still a halloween movie that is going to end with laurie strode you know, just leading the climax. And that only matters if it's part of, you know, if it's the end of a trilogy, not a standalone movie. So it's complicated, but I appreciate that they were trying, you know, something new. It's, it's in a way, it's kind of like what I was asking for. And, and I, yeah, I don't care. It's not that I'm saying that I want everybody to just keep remaking the first Halloween over and over, but yeah, I don't think necessarily you do, but it certainly seems like there's a lot of people that do. And so I guess to, I've just been kind of cutting you off and arguing with you. Oh, I've my been take, cutting you off too. <laughs> my take on Halloween Ends is a story of like borderline possession, but also they explicitly state it that you know evil can take any form; it can change shape again. To go back to because I did laugh at that. I was like, "Come on!" So the narrative has changed, and people blame Laurie Strode now. So there's not the same like. I mean, to be fair, all the people that really feared Michael Myers and wanted to make sure they stopped him from ever getting out are all dead now. So it's like <laughs> a new generation of townspeople that think it's funny and kind of blame Laurie Strode for everything that's happened. And this fucking kid comes along. Um, how does he end up in the sewer in the first place? Oh, because the fucking band kids bully him yeah. and throw him over the edge. And he goes in there and he 
senses it and he gets a taste of the evil and he likes it. The evil. And it's basically he's like infected at that point. He's like Bella drinking blood for the first time. He's like, um, I like it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Jeffrey Dahmer uh, or uh, Evan Peters eating a spleen for the first time on that show. <laughs> just being like. So in a, in a sense, he becomes possessed. But, you know, Michael is still. The more he kills, the more he transcends evil. It's not like it leaves him and comes on to him. And it's a matter of like. The fear's not there. He's not killing regularly. He's just a weakened, beaten down old man. He gets that first kill back. He starts to get the power back, but he's still not very strong. Uh, and then, you know, fucking the difference is in the evil is that Corey just goes insane and thinks that he can be Michael Myers now. And that's where you're done fucked up, kid. And he took <laughs> Michael down and, you know, I referred to it is his North Star. He took his mask. So he's, he know that's like. What's an example of something that's like a symbol of power that draws someone into it? It's it's like the the sun for him. It's his universe, and I think it's just a thing of like evil can be anywhere. It can be anything. You have to f- fear it for it to really have power. And Laurie, through all the years, gave Michael so much of his power. Uh, I do like that they're incidentally just brought together again at the end, and. You know, he kills Corey and then he's got like the the taste back and he's like, well, I need to find someone else and fucking kill him. And he's just not strong enough. Lori basically fucking crucifies him. I did like yell when she stabbed him in the heart and he sat up. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> and, you know, the way she incapacitates him is just so simplistic, just slowly runs the knife across his throat. And it's oh, dude, it was so fucking brutal how she ran it across his wrist like that. Very uncomfortably realistic in a sense. That that shot, not not the scenario that played out in the film. <laughs> um, and she even gives him the chance to kill her, and he can't do it. He's just a spent force. Well, the only reason he, he doesn't do it is because Allison walks in. Yeah, but like he has the opportunity. We've seen Michael do things a lot quicker, and I mean, they get there was enough time to play like a fucking recap video package of everything that's happened up until this point so (laughs) but his fucking hand is split in half it's like yeah it's not for everybody (laughs) that scene where they kill together is fucking awesome um they kill the doctor and his uh, side piece because again i just didn't really know what was going on and he's locked out and then michael reappears and it's just i can't tell someone that doesn't like it that you're wrong because it's a movie that I watched. I was like, well, this is going to be divisive. But like, I was just like pumping my fist throughout like all of it. Like when it was over, I was just like fired up. Like I, it was one of those things I couldn't sleep. I was just so excited and how fucking great it was. I was laughing at the whole trailer gave too much away crowd. I was like, oh yeah, how'd that work out for you? People were like, <laughs> gave away the whole plot. And that's, I just, at this point it becomes, what do you want? Like, we're fuck I don't even know how many one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen you know we're deep into this franchise at this point there should be something you can point to and you can say this is how I like it and if it's just what Halloween is then that's fine um 
Oh, there, there will be some pointing done by the time we wrap up this this conversation. <laughs> it's not exclusive to horror. It's not exclusive to Halloween. Anytime you fuck with the formula, it's going to piss people off. Anytime you play it too safe, it's going to piss people off. So it's like a damned if you do, damned if you don't. It is a thankless role, man, being uh, appointed any of the big slasher movies anymore. Especially the problem is on this big of a platform. No one really gave a shit about that Texas Chainsaw movie that came out this year because it was just some bullshit direct to Netflix. This is like these have been event movies uh, in the time they've come out, you know, specifically kills because it was like, oh, back to the movie theater. But the first one, you know, these the universal was all in on these. You got some heavy hitters from the acting world in these. From a promotional standpoint, I think the only one that holds up to what these got was H2O. So these were like the biggins. And I, I get that turns people off, man. It's just... um you know, there's a lot of people that I would just be like, well, what what is it you want? Like, wh- what do you want from your Halloween movie? Because then, because then it's easier to kind of isolate and say, okay, well, you just like this. You don't like this. I like um, the just because you've asked the question. <laughs> I I think that what I like is definitely the more realistic approach because I like the first half of Halloween kills a lot. Just mm-hmm. everything that deals with the survivors and just Tommy Doyle giving his speech at that bar, like all that stuff is, you know, I really like, oh. and I like, you know, what Halloween kills or the Halloween 2018 did with just the idea of, you know, this, this guy that escapes and is not up to a point is very, you know, it's a very down to earth way of telling the story. Without skimping yeah. on it being grotesque and gruesome and all that stuff. And I can enjoy the other stuff. But I guess ultimately what I want, I'll tell you what I want, Alex. <laughs> what I want is consistency. I I want, and maybe this is something that we can agree on. You know, you like the, the finished product, I don't. But I think it's very clear. I think it's noticeable that when they made Halloween 2018, they didn't know what they were going to... They didn't even know, probably, that they were going to have to make two more movies. They didn't... You know, Halloween 2018 is not a movie that was made thinking, all right, this is step one in the journey that takes us all the way to Halloween ends. I guess it could have been announced as a trilogy. That, that, that's fine. But I just it just feels really weird that this is... Uh, that he wouldn't do a better job of setting up what the what the end game is going to be you know like of really weaving it a little more into like all these themes of like you know he feeds on fear and you know Haddonfield is a horrible town I like that that's I didn't finish my thought earlier like I love that Haddonfield is by this third movie we're just like it's so uh it's depicted as such a terrible place full of terrible people <laughs> Just with no empathy whatsoever. I I like that. You know, I totally get that. Allison was like, "I want to get the hell out of here." You know, and, and Dude, Corey wants to leave. I too. audibly laughed in the theater. I saw this in IMAX, by the way, and it was cool. Uh, sound was fucking awesome. Um, 
<laughs> the sign that said now leaving Haddonfield. Uh, I, you know how I am about practical like uh, <laughs> sets and shit like that. So the fact that someone made that I <laughs> makes me so happy. That's what movies are supposed to be. And I, I, I laughed hard at that. And that's part of the thing, too, that like our heroine is not infallible. It's idiotic that she still wants to stay there. She says in like her opening monologue that like I'm trying to prove a point by staying here and making a life for myself. It's like, nah, man, you should probably just like fucking move to Washington or get away from the Midwest. Go to Texas. Nothing bad no. ever happens in Texas. Then, yeah, then the guy with the chainsaw will chase you around. <laughs> it's, it's no good. Uh, I just feel like 2018 is painted more as the story of Lori. And then by the time we get to Halloween Ends, it's become the story of Haddonfield. And I don't have a problem with it being the story of Haddonfield. In fact, I mean, I I think that it's that's... the story of fear and evil, not just Haddonfield. But, you know, in Haddonfield. That's <laughs> the reason I care is because it's happening in Haddonfield. And, you know, it's the people of Haddonfield carrying this dude to, the, to that machine I, that destroys him. I will tell you that... I rewatched 2018 after I watched Ends, and there are things that I could buy into as like setting the groundwork for where we end up. Obviously, there was no way of knowing that at the time of watching, and also it could just be my brain playing tricks on me now watching it back. But I feel there's some some shit in those first two movies that, dude. Even the fact that Will Patton's still alive, I love the guy. I love the character. He's dead in Halloween 2018. <laughs> you know that that is a kill shot. Like that, that the way that it's shot. Oh, and everything. Yeah. He's the guy, the doc that has his fucking like pen knife. Yeah, get over here, <laughs> uh, man. Lindsay Wallace could get it. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Richards. I forgot that she's like a semi accomplished actress. She was a child actor, obviously, because she was in fucking Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's one of those fucking real housswives women. She's like really? on that show. Yeah. I think I've She's heard got that like before. Reality TV show following. I mean her specifically in that Lindsay Wallace role in this where she's like the, you know, middle-aged bartender that's got, you know, some, clearly some emotional baggage, but just looks like, man, she <laughs> good to go. Uh, when they showed her as the bartender, I was like, Jesus Christ, dude. Uh, and Allison, you know, this movie's filled with attractive people. I want Andy Matichek, I hope, because I feel there's a lot of potential with her as an actress, and I hope she doesn't get stuck in the role. I saw that uh, she has another movie that's fairly recent on Shudder. That's a Shudder original. I feel as though there's some real potential there that I don't want her to get pigeonholed in the horror genre. Who knows? Maybe, you know, the evil's dead, but the, the... Acting career has been passed on from Jamie Lee to <laughs> Andy Matichak. Jamie Lee's good for what she for what she does in this. Uh, she, you know, the Laurie character is really interesting, and um, this is almost definitely the last time we're gonna see her play the character. Yeah, that clip I saw, I told you where they called they called rap on the the film, and she like just started crying. Yeah, the, uh, my understanding is from the this is like the end of the canon of Michael, but you know we'll see something else. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like a show like you were kind of talking about earlier, or something like a you know a streaming series. But she said she's done. I I doubt she needs the money. 
Uh, I'm glad there was some finality to it because, you know, there's H2O and Resurrection in there that fuck with her story. And yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. The chemistry she has with Will Patton, I thought was really good. The so were you, scene- were you happy that we got a happy ending at the end? Yes. Happy ending at the end. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's what you wanted. You, fu- wanted you, you wanted a happy ending. Like if it I, had been a, a, a bummer of an ending, it would have, you wouldn't have been satisfied. See, here's what people get mad about me saying this, like, you know, the Halloween purists or the people who didn't like it. I wanted something that didn't do wrong by the characters. I wanted finality and I wanted a happy ending. And I wanted that in the universe of Halloween. I don't feel any of the characters were betrayed. People are so fucking hung up on Michael getting knocked down by this kid. When he found the kid, he broke his neck. I mean, obviously, that kid had already stabbed himself, you know? But, like, Michael was just like, oh, it's you again. <laughs> Michael was there. He stalked. He stabbed. He slashed. He broke necks. Uh, Lori was there. Even though, you know, it's a little bit different. She's not, like, on the run and constantly paranoid. I really, I bought I was. I thought that suicide scene was going to be legit because the way it was played up and it kind of built to that because, you know, they had that big dramatic moment with Allison and whatnot. I, as soon as it was like happening, okay, well, this can't be it. But like for a second, I kind of, <laughs> when she walked up with a bottle of liquor, I was like, holy shit. Uh, Lori gets the better of Michael finally. She's just figured him out. If I don't give you this, you know, you can't have your supernatural power only goes so far if I don't feed it and sliced him up. They threw him in a fucking car compactor. They killed him. And then the closing sequence is fucking perfect. It's I am not trying to be hyperbolic. It's like one of the best closing moments I've seen in a long ass time in a movie uh, from Will Patton and Lori sitting there in silence, just kind of reflecting. It's a nice day with the leaves falling. And then it's the fucking end of the first one, <laughs> but it's the inverse because it's the, <laughs> the night is gone. The evil has been conquered. It's the, it's a beautiful day inside the house. And that fucking shot of her office with Michael's mask on the desk, just laying there on its side, like half deflated. I was just like, Oh my God. And then they kicked into fucking don't fear the reaper. I was just like, this is, this is amazing. Like I literally like yelled yes when that happened. Um, so if Michael, if Michael had killed her, like at that final confrontation where like they both basically die. Yeah. I thought there was going to be like, my thought going in was going to be some situation where they both have to die. My thought was, it was going to be revealed. It was more of like, they're tied together through some fucking weird, you know, cosmic balance in that in order to eliminate his evil she has to go with him uh i even had a fleeting thought of like is she gonna jump in the compactor with him what's going on here (laughs) but no it's him i mean he was a problem the idea of fear and evil is a bigger problem but this this fucking dude was bad news so we got to get rid of him to begin with i think you're gonna ask if she died too if it would have hurt the ending for me is that what you're gonna ask yeah i was gonna say if if, would that you know because you wanted a happy ending and what if she if she has to die? That's Lori being alive is a requisite of the happy ending. Uh, it, well, now that's all I know, and I thought it was fucking perfect. So I guess the answer to your question is yes. I, <laughs> I wouldn't know otherwise. It's uh, she uh, dies, but then f- Allison goes on and starts dating Will Patton. No, there, there we go, and then we get like the 
She has a thing for law enforcement. I mean, she was Who dating would a cop. That? Dude, that was a perfect touch, too, where she dated that cop that was clearly like 15 years older than that. That's classic Midwest bullshit. Um, <laughs> no, Will Patton and uh, Andy Matichuk, that would be like the follow up where they, they're like, in, they fall in love. That would definitely be like a Noah Bombach affair. You know, <laughs> enter it into some festivals around the world. Um, and then don't fear the reaper for you, Julio. You know that's there's a scene in the original Halloween where Annie and um, Laurie are driving around smoking weed, and don't fear the reapers playing on the radio. Uh, you know that movie had such a low budget that it's been joked about about why did they shell out the money for Blue Oyster Cult to feature that song and the lyrics of it play into exactly my interpretation and reading of the movie. And then it cuts to the Halloween ends, and then it lingers on the word ends. I was just like, that's that's fucking money. That's the whole thing. That movie could have been dog shit, but that ending was so good that I would have just been like, cool. And as I said in my letterbox review, and it's very important to stress here, this won't happen again. I'm too old now to develop new interests. <laughs> and the, aside from professional wrestling, man, there's not been like a franchise or uh, a form of entertainment. Um, you know, a specific canon of television or film or anything like that. That's been important as important to me as Halloween, maybe the Simpsons. But the point is, is I gave up on the Simpsons a long time ago. You know, I still like believed in Halloween and it meant so much to me. And it still does. I had that with star Wars also. That was very important to me. And you only have one chance to end it. And much like Halloween with star Wars, I knew rise of Skywalker wasn't going to be the end. I knew we're still going to have offshoots. There's going to be shows. There's going to be, you know, one-off movies and shit like that. But this is the end of my story. This is the end of what I has meant so much to me for my entire life. You only have one shot to do that. And leaving the theater for rise of Skywalker is, was one of the strangest feelings I've ever had leaving a movie. You know, we've talked about it and we've joked about it plenty and I do realize it sounds so fucking dorky and nerdy or whatever fucking <laughs> negative adjective you want to throw my way. But it was just like, what the fuck, man? I can't have that back. I would have rather have just not seen it. That like hurt me. And with this, it was the exact opposite. I was just like so happy and fulfilled when this was over. Uh, it's not a perfect movie by any stretch. I, in fact, I we'll, we'll get to where it stands, but the way it ended just made me so fucking happy and gave me like a piece that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I think that that experience with Rise of Skywalker definitely heightened my emotions for this. So that's going to be like the thing moving forward that I'll tell people is like, yeah, you're entitled to believe what you want. If we want to talk about this, we can, but I'm telling you right now that this really meant a lot to me because of the way it wrapped things up because of other experiences I had with movies and shit along the way. So does that make sense? What I'm saying that it like heightened how I felt about it. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I mean, I think if you take all that, I guess in part also because of all that, I mean, this movie was always going to have, I guess it was the reaction is always going to be more extreme on your end. <laughs> you know, there was no way yeah, that you man. were ever going to be different. Can you imagine if it was bad? It. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. I, I can't can't imagine if they had like botched it, like something of like 
Michael kills Lori and Allison and just stands tall or some shit like that. Um, that's that's very valid. My reaction either way was always going to be big. They just redo Resurrection. and She forgives Whoa. him and kisses him. Jesus. <laughs> Michael, you are loved. Shout out, Danny McBride, getting his people work. As I mentioned, uh, the lady who gets stabbed in the neck with the fucking light tube and the Halloween kills was she she played uh, the housekeeper for Ashley Schaefer and Eastbound and Down. The gentleman who plays the butcher and works behind the counter at the deli market there was uh, one of the businessmen that Ashley Schaefer deals with in Eastbound and Down. <laughs> it's such a great scene because he ends up did you watch all of Eastbound uh, not season four okay so you remember season three when he has the dinner and he makes that guy like run away from the cannonball fire do you remember that no <laughs> okay Ashley Schaefer has his dinner with like his uh, Korean business partners and this big fella the guy who plays the the butchers in that and Ashley says uh Mammy told me about your tomfoolery in the tool shed. And then he like his punishment is he has this guy like try to evade cannonball fire. God, that show was fucking incredible. But I just kind of <laughs> I popped for the idea of Danny McBride just being like, hey, let's let's get our boys some work. Uh never a good sign when the movie starts and there's four writers credited. That was like my first <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> What's gonna happen here? Not a whole lot of Danny McBride humor in this one. No, you know, the, the, your thing with Corey doesn't work for you. That's, that's a fundamental thing that there's really mm -hmm. nothing I can do to try to counteract that or argue with you about it. I think if you, if you had a, I, I mean, I said it earlier, but I guess now that we're <laughs> towards the end of our arguments, like I, I guess I reiterate it. Yeah. If you had a, an actor that worked better for me, I think that I would have enjoyed the movie a lot more, but I think I would have arrived to the end and gone. That was a really weird direction to take based on <laughs> what 2018 set up. The things that happen, happen regardless of the performance. The performance just affects how I, I enjoy it or not. Yeah, I, I, it's, not, it's not in uh, my, my top tier Halloween movies. But I am glad that it is for you, that you got the ending you wanted. Perhaps even the ending you deserved, Alex. I appreciate that because you do know how much they mean to me. And I know you know that. So you saying that means a lot to, uh, I guess, go back and correct what I'd said earlier to make sure we're all aligned. In June 2018, Danny McBride confirmed that he and David Gordon Green had originally intended to pitch two films that would be shot back to back and then later decided against it, waiting to see the reaction of the first film. September 2018, producer Jason Blum said that we'll do a sequel if this movie performs. Obviously, it did fucking bank. A month later, after the new film's opening weekend, McBride confirmed that early development on a sequel had begun as soon as Halloween was released in theaters. McBride and Green started devising the story for the two sequels along the other, alongside the other writers, uh, Chris Bernier and Paul Brad Logan, who assisted them in writing simultaneously both sequels. So kills and ends were crafted together in the wake of the success of the first one. So there you go. Oh, also to all the people mad that the band kids like are dickheads and bully Corey. Uh, I think they ended up getting theirs in the end. And I think that was, 
<laughs> kind of part of it to build up to it. Yeah, like I said, my dad shockingly really enjoyed it. He said he enjoyed the part that some of the people that got killed, like they established why they were shit people. So he didn't really <laughs> feel bad for them. I think that was, he was able to kind of disassociate from it a little bit. Has he seen the other two? Yes. Okay. Yeah. He was like a lot of people a little bit confused when Halloween kills ended. It's like, well, what, what happened there? So that brings us to our closing again. I gave it four stars on Letterbox. Julio went with one. Uh, that would translate for me for like an A minus, I think, right on the line between A minus and B plus. So let's do it. It's time to give the definitive contrarian rankings for the <laughs> Halloween film franchise. Now, Julio, disclaimer on my end, I do not include Season of the Witch. Season of the Witch is a fucking awesome movie. Uh, but As discussed in the contrarians. Correct. The problem is we're talking about Michael Myers here, and obviously it has nothing to do with it. So I always uh, omit that from my rankings. Julio, will there be any that you will be omitting from yours? Uh, well, I, I still haven't seen Resurrection. Uh, streaming services keep teasing me, showing me that it's there for free, and then when I'm finally ready to watch it, it's gone. And I'm not <laughs> going to pay for it, so maybe next Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> Um, one of these days yeah but so resurrection is not on my list i i put season of the witch on my list just because i don't know it's part well, that of the, works it's that, part of the ride that way we'll both have the same amount of uh entries there you go all right uh is there any mystery to number one like your first your top do you want to go from the top to bottom or bottom to top how do you want to do it alex <laughs> is the original in your number one spot no you know it isn't <laughs> you do know that we've we 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 did uh, some sort of ranking at the end of Hall- uh, Haddonfield Nights. Yeah, I thought you had wised up since then. <laughs> uh, we'll just in that case, we'll just count down. Uh, so, what what's dead last for you? My my last place is obviously Halloween Resurrection. What what comes in dead last for you? Um, it's a tie. <laughs> it's the only tie I have. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like hard to explain. It isn't, but it's. I guess it, it merits explanation because I have uh, Halloween five and Halloween ends all the way at the end, and <laughs> that is because uh, Halloween five is a bad movie, and Halloween ends is the most checked out I've been while watching these movies. Uh, even you know the other <sighs> questionable entries, I was still you know following the story. I had some sort of investment. Halloween ends. I, I was checked out and I was and part of it is Halloween kills you know uh, so I already explained it <laughs> sorry that's offensive yeah fucking <laughs> Tina in the same category as Halloween ends unbelievable yeah but it was so entertaining to watch and maybe it's just because I watched it with you and Reed and I have that memory making things better it does have Donald Pleasant saying cookie woman <laughs> Um, all right. So resurrection next for me counting down would be, uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween two. Hey, what's me too. Excellent. Uh, next for me is H2O. Come on, man. (laughs) Uh, Halloween kills for me. Okay. Uh, next is Halloween five for me. Uh, Halloween six. 
the only cut I've seen, which is the producers, right? This is what we did on the yes. show. Yeah. Introducing Paul Stephen Rudd. That's yes. right. All right. So then six on deck. The right, Halloween six, Halloween six, 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 Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers, whatever name you subscribe to. That's uh, so we've knocked out at this point. We've knocked out like all of the lower tier entries or I have you. <laughs> you've already butchered this list. <laughs> yes. So what's next for you? Next for me is Halloween two. Uh, this was like the the hardest back and forth I had about these. My next one is uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween. Yeah, I know you have I, a very uh, uh, complicated relationship with that movie. <laughs> well, and the thing is, I just rewatched Halloween two recently, the eighty one Halloween two, and it's it's good, man. It's it's very like overly formulaic but there's Mm -hmm. some really good shots in it and like the closing sequence fucking rules so i gave that the and it also doesn't have the rampant misogyny that rob zombie's (laughs) halloween has so i put that over it it also doesn't have donald uh sorry doesn't have malcolm mcdowell that's very true so is your next uh is your next one rob zombie's halloween oh no (laughs) oh that's that snuck its way up the list what's next for you next one is the original halloween Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus. You're like, you just wanted to remake Halloween. Uh, no. <laughs> Halloween is right. okay. It's an okay movie. <laughs> All right, so my final four, this is where I have uh Halloween ends comes into play. Okay. Uh, I mean, this, I have like that extra spot because uh, mm-hmm. next is Halloween 3 season of The Witch for me. Okay. And, and then I have four left. Halloween ends. Halloween Kills is in third place for me. So you like Kills better than Ends? I do. I, it took some soul searching, but I, I do. Why is that? I, I haven't been able to quantify it yet. I just think there there's things about both of them that I could do without, but at the same time, kills just it just so like rattled me and wrapped me up in a blanket and was like (laughs) you know not of this world young man (laughs) but it held my hand and told me everything was going to be okay the the side plot i still say it you know it comes in fucking third place for me in my halloween rankings but the the other mental patient that whole sequence is Upon rewatch, it's just kind of like, eh, I wish this wasn't in the movie. Mm-hmm. But you do get some good acting from Judy Greer because of it. You and get all the memes. Al- you do get all the memes. And it also helps the story that they're trying to tell. And Charles Cipher gets to say, he's turning us into monsters. He also gets the, to say evil Dysonite. He does. The, it, a huge part of it, a huge part of why it makes it beats out ends is the continuation of the end of the first Halloween. Mm-hmm. Like the way the beginning of that movie picks up where it left off that fucking rules. So ends and then kills kills comes in third place. I have no idea what you're doing over there. <laughs> if, uh, if ends had, uh, incorporated COVID as we once theorized. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> would it, have, maybe dad would have put it over Halloween kills for you. <laughs> relevance i wanted lori i wanted lori to reference the pandemic on her book um well let me catch up to you because somehow for some reason my next one is my number four so let me give you my number four is halloween four 
Mm-hmm. And then my number three is Halloween Zero, also known as Rob Zombie's Halloween. Man, that's something. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is... Oh. We, we talked about I know, this. Yeah. I was about to say, I know how I fucked up because I didn't uh, yet include 2018. That would go... And we'll do a recap here, listeners, of just okay. running down real quickly. But uh, Halloween 2018 would be... Um. Yeah, I think it would be below Rob Zombie's first Halloween. Oh man, that's like way down the list. It's good. It's it's good, and the 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 point is, is I fucking love these movies. I'm talking about. That's your number three. Is your number two the 2018 Halloween? Uh no. My number two is Halloween H2O. Oh man, I didn't realize the 2018 one was that good because I thought last time we convened on this H2O took your top spot. Um, no, like I, a psychopath. I, I think I had 2018 Halloween four then H2O last time we did this, and there's I guess I've grown to appreciate what Rob Zombie does well, uh, and kind of it helps me. My man, it, it helps me get past all the things he does poorly in his Halloween movie. And uh, but we disagree, He's, you and I, because you like the second half more, and I like the first half more. And I like Loomis trying to figure out what the hell's going on with this kid, and you like this grown man killing people <laughs> in the second half intensely. <laughs> it's Rob Zombie, man. That, that review I read of the Munsters is he makes movies literally only for himself, and in the end, there's something admirable about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your what's your top three? My top three is uh, number one, obviously, is original. Number two is four. And then number three is kills. So in recap for myself, original Halloween, Halloween four, the return of Michael Myers, Halloween kills, Halloween ends, Halloween two from 1981. I'm going to flip flop. And then on six, we're going to do Halloween 2018 and then Halloween zero, as you call it, Rob Zombie's (laughs) Halloween. Uh, and then we go into The Curse of Michael Myers, Halloween 6, uh, Halloween 5, Halloween H2O, Halloween 2, <laughs> Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, and Halloween Resurrection. Oh, man. Your dislike of H2O. I understand it, but I don't share it at all, obviously. <laughs> the director, Steve Miner, made uh, better horror movies, specifically Friday the 13th, Part 2 and 3. So there you go. There you go. On my end, number one, my top three. Halloween 2018, Halloween H2O, and Halloween Zero. Closely followed by Halloween 4. I included Halloween 3 Season of the Witch right there. Then the original Halloween, which is okay, followed by its immediate sequel, Halloween that, 2. That seemed unnecessary, <laughs> that little stray you threw in there. Uh, Halloween 2 is next. And then we go into movies that I don't think are that great. Although Halloween 6 is just like that perfect combination of like, it's not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it's also really entertaining to watch. Dude, Uh, we had fun with that one. Yeah. Because of just like the absurdity of it. And, you know, Paul Rudd takes it a long way, to be fair. Yep. Yep. Uh, Halloween Kills is next. Uh, Love the first half. Or at least really like the first half, uh, all the Tommy Doyle stuff. Then Halloween Zero Two, which honestly, I I could have told you that this was really dead last, 
here's a here's a problem. In order for me to solidify how I feel about Halloween Zero Two, I will have to watch it again, and I don't want to do that. Uh, having rewatched it recently to confirm my thoughts on it, I can confirm it is not a pleasant experience <laughs> and is not good. <laughs> yeah, I. I just don't want to put myself through it again, but I watched it in a movie theater where I couldn't like escape and I just yep. got myself through it. I like the idea of, you know, a movie that is devoted to exploring how fucked up Lori is after what happened in the first Halloween, you know, which I guess is kind of like what I like of in H2O in 2018 as well. But but this one, you know, it does it the Rob Zombie way and it's not pleasant to watch at all and it goes to some really weird places. So, yeah. Um, but still, you know, it is, I guess, commendable because I, I get what it's trying to do. And it is consistent with what Rob Zombie was <laughs> doing, I guess. And then at the yes. end, the 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 tie, Halloween 5 and Halloween ends. And not for me, dog. I mean, obviously, based on this conversation. <laughs> obviously not for me. I replace- the mood I'm in, after hearing your list, I wish we had done the Munsters. <laughs> replace Ron Campbell in Halloween ends with somebody else and uh, that movie would probably at least get above Halloween kills Josh Gad why not <laughs> I mean like I get why Allison is into him he can sing man that that list is something <laughs> let me have it listeners let me have it you are accurate though in like there's a couple of these obviously are um, opinions differ on, but there is like a huge divide in this franchise of like the ones you consider to be good. And then like just the ass trash that comes out. <laughs> Halloween resurrection is like a movie that I hope people lost their jobs over. That's like in the fucking uh, X-Men origins Wolverine category of like, Why? How? <laughs> and it didn't even make that much money. I mean, I would like $37 million, but when you compare it to some of the other entries. It's not Halloween money. Hey, man, the king, the god, John Carpenter. Every time one of these comes out, he gets paid. As he as he said immortally, a great thing happens every time a Halloween movie comes out. A big check falls in my hand. So <laughs> slay, king. You are the reason we are here. Um, yeah, a bit deflated by your thoughts on the, the latest entry, Julio, but... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, you, trust me, this conversation over the past hour has been... It's a lot easier for me to uh, appreciate your prerogative and your point of view versus just, I'm mad. I'm mad this isn't the Michael I wanted. No, I'm not mad. I'm not even disappointed. <laughs> I it, honestly, I am relieved. That's what I am. Not about the movie, but about the this recording because I had this fear that I had been so disengaged with the movie that I wasn't going to be able to bring up anything to this conversation. <laughs> I was going to be Oh, I was going to come in and be like, "I don't care, man." <laughs> oh, dude, my like in my brain, I understand what I think this movie is and what happens. I didn't realize how difficult it was going to be to try to explain it. So when I was like, <laughs> it's just one of those things in my head. I was like, yeah, I understand this. This is exactly what it means. And then 
It's like, well, explain it to me. I'm like, uh, it's like the <laughs> Matrix kind of like, you know, I know what it means and I know I understand this movie, how it works. And then someone's like, explain it. Well, I don't see there's there's, there's two sides. There's this Lori gal, right? Um, <laughs> so, so it's Halloween night. It's, it is. I do also think that my Halloween kills love and uh, placement of it over ends Upon recent rewatch, Big John and Little John are some of the best side characters ever in a slasher movie. They fucking wow. rule. The victims, the endless amount of victims in the the franchise and other you know your Fridays and your nightmares and whatnot. Those guys are obviously both both season actors, but like just their whole dynamic and the way they pull off the scenes they're in i was like these guys are iconic these are you know usually the side characters in slasher movies you remember for how fucking bad they are like Freebird and freddy versus jason or uh shelly and uh friday part three and so i guess that's a compliment they're up there with like uh rose mcgowan and scream something like that well, we'll put to text our uh, official rankings as well to post alongside mm-hmm. this on the Patreon. But listeners, thank you for coming along on this journey with us. Halloween aficionados and enthusiasts, please direct any anger towards Julio, not myself. Hey, going by letterbox, I think that our our patrons are split. I, I think I have maybe 50% of them on my side and the other 50% that are on yours. Um, I think just from memory, you have Nerdrovert. I'm assuming you have Ben. I don't know where Paul falls on this one, uh, but I think I have. I know I have Gerald, and uh, if Dan ever watches it, I'm pretty sure Dan will hate it. So uh, he'll be on my side as well. I have discussed it with Ben. I'll refrain from uh, giving away his thoughts until their episode drops because I know he was keeping his cards close to the vest. Yeah, I was. I I feel bad about like putting the putting my letterbox out before we even release the episode. But I'm like, I need to do it now because if I don't write it and and put it there, uh, I'm just not gonna get to it, you know. And I, I, I guess... ripped the bandaid off. I wasn't gonna do mine, and and then I saw yours. It was like, oh fuck it, he he whipped it out. <laughs> I'm gonna do it too. <laughs> I think that in retrospect, maybe I would have waited if I'd known how this conversation was gonna go. But um, like I said, I wasn't sure how much I was gonna be able to bring to the table, so I needed to at least get started on Letterboxd so I could just build up from that. All right, patrons. Well, again, thank y'all so much for joining us for this uh, journey. Halloween has ended. Uh, I mean, for now. It'll it'll be back in some iteration someday. But Julio, thank you for taking the time to talk about this. Uh, it was a good time. Evil died tonight, Alex. That's all that matters. You were waiting for it, and I'm glad you got it in. <laughs> All right, thank you, patrons. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Let's have a